Doc Rivers continues to time and time again not get it when it comes to getting... Oh! Let him play! You bet one one bone to win 19. I'm t- where, what site do you use where you can actually bet one buck? <laughs> they let you do 50 cent bets. Oh my goodness, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, literally like he dropped Superman down like the drain. Comes out. Like, God damn it, Superman. <laughs> I don't know, honey. I don't know where he got that from. From Los Angeles, this is Dave in the City. Part of the Dit Cow Sports Network. Now, here's Dave Medina. Good evening, sports fans, and a pleasure to have you here for the big football show. The season is once again upon us, and this time perhaps a little bit less crazy of a season as we start to, uh, you know, I realize that things aren't great right now as far as the as the pandemic is going, but they're good enough where I think we can have a complete season, God willing. Let's hope I don't mush it or anything like that, because I know, you know I've been known for that. But um, assuming things play out okay as they are, we're going to have a nice we're going to have a nice year, uh, and we got a lot to talk about tonight. And so to do this appropriately, we need to get our friends in on the show, and we're happy to bring back John in Connecticut and Ron in New Jersey to the program. Look at everybody on the camera. It's good to see you back here on the program. Uh, first, let's introduce John. I'm trying to remember which of these is John. Um, but John, welcome back to the show. How's it going tonight? Well, Dave, yeah, new season is here. We're definitely excited. Um, we were talking before the show started how it just was so crazy last year. You really can't take much of anything from a lot of these teams between injuries and COVID. Some teams played like six games, some played four, some played a whole schedule of 12 games. So um, 2020 was pretty pretty crazy for a number of reasons. And um going to be glad to get back to some non-conference games this year. So just um, – Excited for the season in general, and, and thanks for having us on to, to, to discuss the two parts for this year, which I'm happy about. We we neglected some of the conferences in previous years. Like, the Sun Belt is one of the most interesting conferences to talk about, and we usually spend two minutes on it. <laughs> so we'll yeah. get some, some, some good uh, group of five talk. I think tomorrow night is, is when you said we'd be doing that. So. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, I, you know, I was starting to read about some of these teams today, and, and I agree, and it's it really was criminally underappreciated last year, in our, or the last time we did the previews back in 2019, so I, I'm glad to do this. It's a very good call. And uh, Ron, good to see you back. How's it going tonight? Good. How are you, Dave? Excited no. to be back. I don't know uh, uh, what year this is for our college football preview, but it's got to be more than uh, more than five. Huh? Oh, it's got to be, yeah. I think we did one back in 2013, so yeah, so wow. we might be looking at our eighth one or his ninth one right at this point. So, so it's a right of summer. Yeah, very much so, very much so. And it's great that you, we, I can lean on your expertise for, for these previews, and certainly I've counted on it over the you know over the course of the season every year. So glad to do it, guys. It's really nice. Um, visually, we're on YouTube, so we're simulcasting there. I'm going to try to do some ISOs with uh, John and and Ron tonight. We'll see how that looks, but um, if it doesn't come off right, we'll just stay on this three shot here for those of you watching on YouTube tonight. But uh, it looks great. Other, It looks great so far. We'll start with our season storylines. I won't spend too much time, but some really big storylines, honestly. Like, we have the transfer portal, which has, which was a thing like the a couple years ago, too, but what's happening this time is that a lot of people are using it. The transfer portal has been just all over the college football and coaches hate it and players love it. So you figure there's some give and take and there's probably the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, we can start there. I mean, 
It's been a, it's really affected a lot of these programs. I think you're seeing so many quarterbacks on different teams getting fresh starts and things like that. And um, if we go back to John for a second, I mean, it is a really liberating thing for the players, but it certainly does reek of instability as well on some levels. But uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on how that's affecting the game so far. I mean, it certainly is opening the door for a lot of teams and for a lot of people. Is it is it beneficial in the long run? What do you think? Oh, man. I mean, I, it's definitely beneficial for the players because, you know, they'll, they can go to another school and continue their career. I mean, even, um, you know, you're seeing some players play like five or six years. And even now with the added year because of last year, it was like a free year essentially. So you're seeing some kids that have been in school like six or seven years playing college football for like four different schools. So from that standpoint, I mean, yeah, like that that's great for the, for the players. I mean, I could see how it's very – challenging for some coaches um you know that kind of turnover each and every year but i mean they've they've grown accustomed to it i mean i think it's just it's part of how you build your roster now as you fill in some gaps on the transfer portal i mean you're not if you're doing your entire incoming class on the transfer portal you're you're not doing it right i mean you still need to have that recruiting and building up your team um kind of like a it would be comparable to like a draft and develop in the nfl you need to recruit freshmen and over time you know get them bigger faster stronger and by the time they're juniors and seniors they can contribute and then you kind of plug in those holes with the transfer portal um i think some coaches i i want to say charlie weiss at kansas did this he just did a shitload of transfers and it just did not work out well so if you're building your entire team with transfers i don't think it's a good strategy but all all uh, pretty much if you see my dog is barking um <laughs> If, if you did every, if you did your entire team with transfers, it's not going to work out. Um, but every every team uses the transfer portal at this point. Um, if you look at the season previews, almost you're going to see every single team. Oh well, so and so transferred in to to help on the defensive line, right? Or whatever. I mean, and obviously quarterbacks get the most play, but all the teams are using it. Yeah, I agree. I've I was reading. I've been reading a lot of these previews, and almost every one has had some transfer on some level somewhere. And I think the mid-major teams, so to speak, have had the most, the, have used it the most. But uh, but everybody's used it on some level. Even Alabama uses it on some level. Like everybody's got some level, some degree of it. So Ron, let's get your thoughts on the transfer portal. Yeah, you know, it's essentially the uh, you know the free agency of, of college football now, right? I mean, and uh, I, I hate to you know say that we called it, but I remember speaking about this you know, a few years ago on, on our college football program that that's the way it was going. Um, and, you know, we talked about how one day there's going to be, you know, a, a, a legit free agent period in college football. And that's essentially what the transfer portal is doing, um, especially because, you know, the NCAA passed the rule that uh, you get a one-time transfer and you don't have to sit out, you play immediately. So, that really opened up the door this year and uh you know it, it it is it's 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 you know the teams are picking and choosing um how to build their rosters using the transfer portal now as you know a, a way to circumvent uh poor recruiting and uh and like you said dave every team does it uh every team's gonna do it from from here on out uh and and you know john's right the teams that over rely on it i mean usually it doesn't pay off but uh if you can build your roster 
you know, where you fill in those gaps, if you're close to, to making a run for, uh, you know, the playoffs and you could plug in a, a guy or two to your starting lineup where you have weaknesses. I mean, that's, you know, that's going to be the, the, the wave of the future. Everybody's going to be doing that. Um, I was reading something interesting a couple months ago and it was uh, one of the, it was an anonymous code from one of the, the group of five um, conferences and he said, uh, you know, uh, again, he wouldn't name what school he was with, but he essentially said that it's changed their whole recruiting philosophy because they'll let um, guys who they would, you know, they might have fought with uh, a, a Big Ten school for a kid or, you know, an ACC school for a kid. And and now they're just their hands off and, and they're going to focus on the kids they know they can get. They're going to let those kids that they would have recruited go to those bigger schools, get coached up, get better and then bring them over in the transfer portal when they're two or three years in and plug them right into the starting lineup. So uh, it, it's changed college football immensely. And I think, uh, you know, you can't underestimate how much of a difference that's going to make going forward. Cause you know, like I've said, I, I really do see in a couple of years that that's going to be, you know, one of those, you know, there's going to be a, a, some sort of period where, ESPN can monopolize it and say, you know, um, you know, here's uh, the college football free agency period, free agency frenzy, and they're going to break it all down. And these kids are going to go here and they're going to come on and make the uh, the announcements. Uh, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, it is. And that's the, the unanswered question. Is this for the better or for the worse? And it's hard to really make a call on it now. It's a little early in the game, but it's... You know, I, I, I think in the long run, it's going to uh, even out some of the you know some of the 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 talent gaps between uh the group of five and you know the power five because mm. uh you know essentially you know those kids who are stuck in the middle um you know those three and four star kids are all gonna be transferring from, from one side to the other so i think in the next 10 years you might see a lot of those group of five teams uh like we have coastal carolina this year and Louisiana and Cincinnati, I think the talent level at those schools is going to go up and the talent level at the, the bottom feeders in the, in the power five schools are going to go down and uh, it's essentially going to even itself out. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, we're already seeing some of these, these quarterbacks get fresh starts in smaller programs. So uh, there's no question about that. Um, let's add a couple people in the chat and we'll first say hello to um, get your own show, AKA Chris in Syracuse, who's in the chat. He says, yay, fun belt, which is, which is great. We're going to cover the fun belt tomorrow. It'll be fun. And then James, and then James Lill, who I'm not familiar with you. I'm assuming you're from the board. Uh, but can he ask, can you talk about week zero point spreads, please? Who would you guys pick his four games? <laughs> just showed the line. Hey, nice of you to subscribe though. Thank you very much for subscribing. Um, we are definitely going to get into that at some point because we do a series of weekly football picks every single week so we're probably going to get to these games at some point though i don't think we do a week zero show so um do any of you, any of you guys want to tackle this like yeah fresno state minus 25 and a, 27 and a half versus yukon john what do you think there do you th oh <laughs> jesus um yeah i can't wait to see what randy edsel has up his sleeves after two years of not playing football that's for sure uh, i will say like his recruiting actually is has not been bad i mean that it, it's all that I have to hang on at this point to give myself a glimmer of hope going forward. But his recruiting class this year is actually like around 50th right now, which is unbelievable. They've been recruiting yeah. well as an independent. 
But for this year's team, I honestly have no idea what to expect. I mean, their offense should be okay, but like their defense is just hideous. I'm not touching that game. Um, So so what was the gentleman's name? James. Sorry, James. I can't give you a pick on that one. But uh, for a couple of these other games, I will say um, I'm seeing UTEP against New Mexico State. Just based on what I saw in the spring, uh, New Mexico State was getting beat by 25 points by Carleton State, which is like a new FCS team. And I see UTEP is laying nine points. Now, you know, I'd have to look into this to see like who was playing and, and who was not playing. And they could have not been playing a bunch of starters in that game. But UTEP minus nine looks pretty good to me on that one. Um, just for, for a pick for one of those games. I who else is on the schedule? I think it's like UCLA and Hawaii. Is that the other game that's on? Yeah, that and and yeah. and I see the point spread as as points at seventeen and a half for Hawaii. Getting seventeen and a half, I probably would take Hawaii there. Um, I I'd, I'd have to look into Hawaii more. I'm I'm very unprepared for this for the Group of Five, Dave. Um, yeah, I have to do some more research into that. But I know UCLA returns almost everybody from last year. Um, DTR. <laughs> A bunch. They they should be able to score a lot of points. The problem is their defense isn't great. That that could actually be a, a decent over game. Course, I'd have to see yeah. if Hawaii is still um, their quarterback. There, uh, Cole McDonald. Did he graduate or is there the next guy there? Uh, yeah, they yeah they have uh, Shevin Cordero. Or whatever yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, he played I think in the bowl game last year yep. against Houston. He was pretty good. So that that could be maybe a, potentially an over game i honestly what's the what's the over under on that I oh that's a good question that that's a great question let me go see um uh, let's see here. and and while we do that uh, chris and Syracuse says what are we a bunch of degenerates <laughs> <laughs> well, yes I oh mean, yes that's the only reason to yeah. resounding yes wait to till watch like... what you tap in new mexico state i mean come on that's like the most degenerate game of all time <laughs> um, but yeah i actually sadly i do like utep in that game i mean just based on what I saw yeah. in uh, the spring. And then Nebraska minus seven at Illinois. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Scott Frost definitely on the hot seat coming into this year. Yeah, very it after Oh, yeah. Yeah. Central yeah. Florida. And um, Illinois has got a new guy in charge, Brett Bielema. Blast from the past on that yeah, one. Yep. Um, so, you know, he's just going to try to run the ball. I mean, that's what he does. Like, he's just, it doesn't matter if he's got the personnel or not. So, that that's a tricky one. Nebraska minus seven. I don't know. I uh, no play for me on that one, but I'm definitely in on UTEP. So that's my pick for week zero. I like UTEP it. Minus nine and a half right now. <laughs> week zero football picks of like four games. <laughs> <laughs> the standings one to zero. Sean and Connecticut. Um, yeah, it says here. Chris says I'll be betting it. Yep. I probably will be betting it too, <laughs> to be honest. So um, yeah, thanks for your thanks. Thanks for that, you guys. And James, uh, we hope you were we helped you out. He said, and James says thank you guys. Well, I appreciate that. And um, I, I, I think that's going to be really fun to get into a lot more week zero action than I thought. Uh, that's four games. I usually used to like one or two. So uh, we'll get to more of these teams later. Let's continue with our storylines. And uh, we'll go to uh, we'll go to Oklahoma and Texas. These are these two teams. These two programs are a huge story in the last month, and that's because they announced intentions to move to the SEC. So the SEC is basically going to become a national conference for all intents and purposes. And you guys know I, I hate this. I, I just I know it's it's inevitable, but I hate it. I think it's stupid. I don't think it's the SEC anymore. But whatever, they want to make their money, make their money. I don't care. But at this point, so but I don't know. I mean, it's clearly going to benefit Oklahoma, Texas. So they, 
I think they're going to get a lot of money from the SEC. So that's going to be a big deal. Um, I'm going to give it to you on this, Ron, because this is obviously a precursor to a larger topic of conference expansion, which, is, of course, as you said to me, it's inevitable. This is going to become like a mini NFL and everybody's going to have like teams from coast to coast like the Big Ten has right now. So it's like, what are you going to do? So, Ron, I give it to you. Do you think this is a good move for Texas and Oklahoma? Do you think this is a good move for the SEC? And what does it mean going forward? Uh, You know, I don't know. You know, it's uh, I'm sure it's good for them uh, money wise. I mean, they get uh, they get more money. They get a higher profile. Um, But in terms of what it does for the football programs, I mean, Oklahoma is in the in the playoffs discussion, at least almost every year. So, I mean, what are they gaining from? football wise from going to the sec i mean they 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 recruit top 10 classes um they they pull in guys uh top guys who you know would go to the sec otherwise so it's not really uh you know they're not benefiting from um going to the sec in in terms of recruiting uh texas too i mean texas has been one of those programs who uh they're right on the cusp of being like uh they should be bigger than they are um, on the you know in terms of uh, their, their football program the past five ten years uh, so does going to the SEC help them uh, on paper it doesn't seem like it does uh, so from that standpoint you know I, I don't think it's a smart move but uh, you know maybe they're positioning themselves knowing what's coming in, in the future and what's coming in the future is uh, you know these quote unquote super conferences um, you know, which has already been discussed between, you know, I know there's preliminary discussions between the Big 12 and and, and Pac-12 to uh, sort of co- combine together uh, in the wake of these moves. And that was kind of uh, put on the back burner. Uh, and now you hear the, the Big 10, the Pac-12, uh, and, and the Big 12 are all talking about, you know, forming some sort of an alliance. Uh, so it, it seems like it's just, it's a precursor to bigger moves that are going to come. Um, and I'm with you, Dave, like, uh, you know, and, and I hate to be that, you know, that type of guy who says it was better 20 years ago. Um, but it was, you know, it was more interesting at least 20 years ago when the conferences were uh, geographically uh, aligned. Um, you had, you had more natural rivalries and stuff like that. And it's definitely going away from that. Um, and, you know, I wish it, it, instead of like doing all this stuff, I wish they would just uh, like like Francesca said <laughs> 10 years ago, you know, just it, it, all the power five conferences join together, make your own league, separate from the NCAA, you know, have uh, 10 team pods that, you know, you play your schedule every year and then have a playoff like that. I mean, I if, if you're going into like all these political maneuvers and stuff like that that's happening now just just blow it up and be done with it already yeah i I agree i mean why why are we why are we keeping this this charade going it's obviously not it's not getting any easier for these teams i did make i think your point is valid in terms of how much harder well actually i think that's what what kristen syracuse said here in the chat and he says it just makes it that much harder to win a conference title so the question of what's in it for Oklahoma is a very valid question because it was a much easier road the way it is now than it's going to be trying to beat out. I don't know. I mean, they're probably going to be in the West, so they got to beat out Texas A&M. They got to beat out even Texas A&M is going to be tough. 
You know, they got to yeah. be at them. They got to be at Bama. They got to be at LSU. Like, what are the chances of them winning that division? I mean, they're not going to be in the East, so I don't really see where how that benefits them. Same for Texas. I don't know what they're going to do. It's weird. So, John, let's get your thoughts on the um, the expansions of these of these conferences, and then Oklahoma and Texas specifically. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it's an interesting time for sure. I mean, they're chasing the money, and they're definitely going to get more in the SEC once they renegotiate the television television contract with the two extra teams, and especially you know being name brands and national contenders i mean it's going to just going to you know the the price of their television contract is just going to go up huge especially now with espn and abc has it you know the sec game of the week is no longer going to be on cbs so you know it's just going to add more money to the to their uh to their coffers but the thing that i don't understand is all right like you want to get to this you know 32 team super league kind of thing like all right that's great but at some point you need the like the bottom feeding teams because these teams are gonna have to play each other and someone's gonna have to lose like at what like these teams are gonna have like four or five losses the the donors and what and boosters aren't gonna aren't gonna be happy with that like you need to have you know vanderbilt and kentucky and um you know and some of the other conferences um uh you know like illinois or you know the oregon states of the world to to beat up on and, and pad your record um so to speak otherwise like it's it's gonna it's not gonna work um i don't know like it you know you hear the rumors now like all right well maybe clemson and florida state want to end up going to the sec and ohio state and michigan and just create this super team like i think that would just destroy college football we're almost to to that point i'm not going to say like 20 years ago was better per se like maybe in terms of the 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 conference alignment and you know how it was geographically aligned i could say that was probably probably better than it is now I, I would agree with that but i think i think the play now is probably better and more exciting than it was um 20 years ago so the game the game i think is better on the field but i would agree like this this realignment we're almost getting to the point where it's just i don't know it, i i it's not going to be enjoyable to, to the season already is just kind of stupid as it is like we're going to do two nights of previews here but i think we could both say like five teams that can actually win the national yeah. championship. Yeah, so true. Which like, is it's just it's stupid. Yeah. I mean and yeah, like you know, like our 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 new friend in the chat is looking for bets on week zero. That's like that it's the only thing that's worthwhile <laughs> for the college football season is like, yeah, let's bet on some of these games because who cares? Because we know who's gonna be playing for the college football playoffs. So I mean it could help I mean that could help the parity, like I said, because if you get all these super teams in one kind of league like yeah some they're gonna beat up on each other and someone's gotta win and someone's gonna lose so in terms of that like yeah that's great but i think overall like you're, you're gonna be shutting out like the the small the small conference um i don't know if a 12 team playoff dave is on your list of things to discuss but i think that would be good for the sport and maybe get some more opportunities for some of these smaller schools to at least have a shot like now there's literally no chance for these teams to win the national championship none at the way it's currently set up and yeah, you, know, you could say, well, this it's the same thing in basketball. None of the teams have a chance. Well, at least they're in the they're in the tournament, you know, like Yeah. And I don't agree with that anyway. Like, yeah, or just like um I mean UMBC had a historic upset. I mean, that's like a once or twice in a lifetime thing that'll happen. But remember when Wichita State was like undefeated and they got a one seed? Like they had a legit chance yeah. to win the national title. Like you would never see that in college football. Like Coastal Carolina last year could have like they are almost. I mean, I'm not saying they should have made the college football playoff. They shouldn't, but 
Um, they probably should have been ranked higher. Even UCF a few years ago, like that team could have played for the national championship. I think it was a 17 team. So, uh, you know, the way it is now, like I said, like there's probably five teams that can that can win the whole thing. So I think if, if the Super Leagues bring more parity to the sport, I'm in favor of that. Um, but I, I think otherwise, I, I don't think it'll be good in general for the for the game. So that's kind of my my feeling on it. I do agree with that. I think you you almost have to have the 12 team expansion. We'll talk about because we have two parts, I can divide this into two parts too so that we can, you know, spread it out so we have other topics to talk about tomorrow. But uh we'll get into that tomorrow the the 12 team playoff. I do think you pretty much have to do that now if this is actually going to go down. I, otherwise, it's useless. Like why would I even bother with the season? Cuz like you know that <laughs> They're going to just put in like a bunch of SEC teams in, in that 12, even if it is 12. Like, I think they're still going to select a lot of SEC teams and Big Ten teams and so on. So it's like, I'm curious as to how effective that's going to be in terms of allowing the group of five to participate in the playoff. I, it, it may not be as great an opportunity as we think, but we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, and we'll talk about name and likeness allowances in the NCAA tomorrow uh, as we start our next program. Um, part two, but for but for tonight, let's talk about the coaches on the hot seat. And you mentioned a number of them. Um, we'll start with Ron. You mentioned a good one, Scott Frost. I know that there's been some talk about Harbaugh. I don't necessarily think he's going to be part of that. But um, who are some of the coaches that you have for the hot seat this year? Yeah, I mean, um, Scott Frost is definitely a, a candidate. If Nebraska doesn't at least make a bowl game this year. You have to think that there's going to be talk amongst uh, the donors in Nebraska to say, you know, we bought this guy in. Uh, he was supposed to be a guaranteed uh, program uh, regenerator, and and it hasn't happened. And you know, where do we go from here? So I, I think I definitely think he's on the hot seat. Um, Harbaugh has been on the hot seat for like, in my opinion for two or three years. Um, and you know, it seems like every year, you know, they underachieve and then it, the talk of him, um, getting pushed out kind of goes away as soon as the season ends, uh, and doesn't come back up until, you know, the next year. So eventually that, you know, Michigan is going to have to cut their ties and say, listen, you know, Harbaugh, he's done a good job, but Ohio state's gone from like here to here and we've stayed at the same level and it's just not acceptable anymore and they got to move in a different direction so uh and, and this year you know i don't think they have a good team michigan so he could he could very well be on the hot seat um i'm not sure if there's any other big name guys uh who immediately pop up i, I think uh you know todd helton out in usc i mean he's got to be on the you know <laughs> for like the you know it he seems is. like uh the year he got hired, he was on the hot seat and <laughs> keep eating it. So, yeah. Um, but you know, he's got to be, and, and I'm not, I'm not even sure if, if USC needs to, to win the pac 12, they've just got to, they've got to be more consistent and, and cut down on like the, uh, you know, the way that they beat themselves with the penalties right. and stuff like that. Right. Um, so, you know, I think if that improves, you might see him stay, but, um, he's, he's got to be on the chopping block and, uh, Chip Kelly in UCLA. I mean, you know, how long do you give that guy? Interesting. Um, Because he showed some signs last year, though. That's why I was wondering about that. Yeah. And, and, you know, they they are getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, he's definitely not. It it feels like 
I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, we were talking about, you know, Chip Kelly, Dana Holgerson, and uh, Rich Rodriguez as, you know, guys who were going to um, revolutionize the the way that football is played and, you know, their offensive philosophies are, are next level. And, and now you got, I, I think, Chip Kelly's on the hot seat. Holgerson deserves to be on the hot seat because oh, I yeah. think Houston has really, I mean, they've, they, they're the same with him as they were before he came there. Um, probably worse, actually. Probably, and, yeah. uh, and and Rich Rodriguez is an offensive coordinator for uh, probably one of the worst college football teams in the country in Louisiana Monroe. So, mm. um, you know, it just goes to show how, how quickly that stuff can change. But those are the guys I think are, are – on the hot seat that jump out to me right now. Gotcha. One more that had been one of those names, not only in the, they were thought of as an innovator, but also they were also, he was also on the hot seat a lot. Gus Malzahn, he's no longer at Auburn. So that, yeah. that journey has ended finally, but, yep. but now he's at UCF and that is, Hmm. A curious decision by, by central Florida, I must say, but we'll get to that later. John, is there anything you'd like to add as far as a hot seat talk? Yeah, that first that ULM team, Terry Bowden and Rich Rodriguez, that's going to be an interesting team to follow this year. That's for sure. I saw their 30-point underdogs week one to Kentucky. So, yeah, interesting. A <laughs> um, couple, couple names I'll mention. Um, you guys, you were right. Like, I think Frost is definitely on the hot seat. I mean, Helton should be. But, like, him and Harbaugh, for whatever reason, they just keep giving these guys just year after year after year. It's just the same the same stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think Michigan might actually just be happy with, with – I mean, the fans aren't happy, but, I mean, he wins eight or nine games a year. I mean, I don't they, – they, they've accepted accepted that. And, like, who can they get is, that's going to do better? I mean, I don't – honestly, I don't know. I would say maybe if they got – they brought Luke Fickle in, but, I mean, you yeah. would think he'd be up for, like, the, the Ohio State job. It doesn't like Ryan Day's going anywhere. But um, maybe he could take over at Michigan. That's the only guy I could think of at this point that would like, be, like, an up-and-coming – um, guy to take over. Maybe Urban Meyer gets loses interest. He pulls a Petrino and leaves in the middle of the year with the Jaguars, and <laughs> you know is the, the Michigan coach by the end of this year. But um, all right, so I'll give you two uh, in the ACC. Okay. Um, Virginia Tech uh, Fuente. Yes. Remember he was like the the talk of our podcast for like two years when he was at Memphis. It's been a disaster there. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. a lot of transfers. They're they're just they're just not right that program right yeah. now. Um, their longtime defensive coordinator Foster left, and it just—he just does not have any, any any good vibes going on with that program. He's definitely on the hot seat, and I think Dino Babers is on the hot seat too. I mean, they were unfathomably bad yeah. last year. Good pick. And I know, like, you know, COVID, the whole thing, but he's, he had that one good year with um, uh, uh, Dungy was the quarterback, and you know he was pretty good, and they had that great season. But other than that, it's just been a struggle. So I, I think. He's got to show something this year. I think he'll be gone. Um, I was just scanning through the other other coaches. I mean, there's some like group of five coaches that are probably going to be fired. But I mean, we can we can mention them within the previews tomorrow. But um, yeah, the SEC. I don't think really there's anyone on the hot seat right now per se, um, because like you said, Melzahn is gone. Uh, I think it'll be an interesting fit at UCF. I mean, you, you know, they always had that fast, fast, fast offense, and Melzahn's offense is not like that. It's very slow and methodical and it'll just be an interesting transition to see how that'll work into their personnel uh, i'm not sure who we hired as an offensive coordinator so we'll have to see about that i will say though 
Um, we'll get to Tennessee, I'm sure, in the SEC preview. But Josh Heupel is just going to be a flaming dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, that's Chuck not going to work it. out well. Yeah, I'm saying he hasn't even coached the game yet. Like, we'll, we'll we we can go into it more, but that is just not going to work out well. I mean, you know, you you could kind of see it happening. I mean, they hired the UCFAD, so who's the first call he's going to make? He's going to call his current coach to, to come over, but they should have been looking elsewhere. So well, I guess we'll get to that. But I can't wait um, to get to that yeah, part. These are kind of the only Tomorrow guys night. that I could think of on the, on the hot seat. We, we really we really cleared off a bunch of the dead weight last year in some of these Power Five conferences. It's true, true, it's true. That's what's so interesting about that. Like a lot of the big names we used to talk about are like, oh, they're fired now. It's like we don't have to talk about them anymore. It's so interesting. Hey, Dave, have, is is there any talk, um, you know, in California? I heard this as like a rumor not too long ago that uh, that part of the the reason why Bob Stoops uh, was uh, moving out to L.A. to do the Fox Sports, you know, in-studio college stuff. Uh, was kind of uh, setting him up to be the next USC coach uh, if Helton falters this year. I don't know if that's I don't know if there's anything to that. That's a good question. Um, But they also said the same thing about Urban, remember? Like, he's always on Fox, and he's totally going to do it. Then they said the same thing about James Franklin. None of them have actually done this yet, so probably not. And Urban's now with Jacksonville, so probably... So I I don't know. I don't know. I I would assume no at this point, but... It'd be an interesting... uh move for them yeah i don't know would that be a good move you think that's anything's better than help yeah that's fair that's, fair. <laughs> that's <laughs> very fair you can't even give him credit for the recruiting it's like really i don't think it takes that much effort to recruit people at usc these guys are everywhere like they're really good at you can recruit with your hand, your eyes closed really you and i could probably recruit a good team over there <laughs> <laughs> so let's see chris says oh get out bye see you as far as Dino babers bye bye dino yeah, it's just too bad because he's a really upbeat guy. Like he seems like a really nice guy, but he always does. So this... he agrees. He he wants Dino gone. Then is that? What oh, there's no. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like I think okay. it, it looks like he's lost the program. To be honest, and that program looked like it was. Well, I mean, I gotta say they were quitting, but it looked bad. It looked really awful. Their defense was never good either. That's the thing. Their defense is consistently horrible, like the entire time. So that's that's a big problem. Um, I mean, if you got to be, if you're not going to have the athletes, you got to have the defense, and they were really, really poor in that area. Uh, and then, and uh, Brian, aka No Label Diet Coke, says Stoops definitely has one more big time coaching gig in him. Just this question of who ponies up for him. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I am very curious as to whether USC would go for that. I mean, they have a new, you know, they have a new president, Carol Folt. And for all intents and purposes, their athletic direction is going to be different too. So I'm curious. I'm very, very interesting, interested in that. So that's going to wrap it up as far as storylines. We'll continue with that tomorrow. So we have some content for the front end of tomorrow's program. And we'll get into the more storylines. We'll talk about the 12-team expansion, the name and likeness and allowances in the NCAA, and some possible Heisman favorites. So that's tomorrow we do part two. Now let's go into our Power 5 conference previews. And we will begin with the Big 12. And in the Big 12, we're looking at Oklahoma and Texas, who, as long as they're still uh, still there, are the favorites in that conference. But, you know, the team that you want to look at, the, really the story of that conference isn't either of them. It's actually Iowa State, because they looked really good. And Campbell has really coached them up to be, and recruited them to be a really big thing. I'm very interested to see what you guys think of them, whether they'll take over the conference and win it. And, um, and we'll see. So, John, let's go back to you. Let's get your preview of the Big 12 conference. Yeah, I mean, you know, the 
move for Oklahoma and Texas is supposed to begin in 2025. Um, but I can imagine that the SEC and both schools will want to do everything in their power to get them into the league in 2022. So you could have a scenario where during the season, you know, you have their lawyers working on this and like there'll be an announcement like, all right, they just cut a deal with the Big 12 to pay, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever it is to get them in the SEC for next year. And then it turns into like a, you know, it's like a, a not a revenge tour. It's like a last last dance kind of thing for these two teams in, in, the, in the conference. And they're going to get the best shot of everybody in the league as if they don't get that already. Um, so that'll be a very interesting scenario. Um, in terms of the, the actual race for the conference title, um, remember here the top two, there's no division. So the top two teams at the end of the regular season will play for the Big 12 championship. All teams play one another. It's a true round robin. So that's what I like about this conference compared to some of the other ones. Like every team plays everybody else, which, um, you know, you get your true two top, two champ, two top teams in the championship game at the end of the season. Um, Oklahoma's clearly the favorite. Spencer Rattler is a Heisman front runner. Um, Lincoln Riley just has that offense going. Um, their defense has really improved, though, um, under Alex Grinch over the past few years to the point where it's legitimately a strength of the team. So um, they're the favorite to win it, and they're going to be in the, the Big 12 title uh, game very likely. And even in national championship or playoff contention, um, if they can win the conference, uh, Dave, you mentioned Iowa State, and you're right. Like they're probably the biggest threat to Oklahoma. <clears throat> excuse me, Oklahoma. Basically, have everyone returning from last year, and I think that was like, one of their greatest seasons in program history. I think they had what nine wins. So it just goes to show you the job that Campbell has done. You know, uh, the offense with Brock Purdy returning, uh, Brees Hall, their tight end Kohler, who's just like a red zone uh, machine, uh, just scores a bunch of touchdowns. Um, it, you know it. I don't want to say like they're going to win the conference because like they always seem to have one like head scratching loss per year. Um, even in that championship game against Oklahoma, they, they really outgained them and really should have won the game and just some turnovers and just some, some bad mistakes. And they just got down early and couldn't come back. So I don't know. It's going to be very close between I'd say for the second spot between Iowa state um, Texas obviously is under a new coach this year with Steve Sarkeesian. Dave, you're very familiar with him. Oh yeah. Um, very, very talented team though. I, you know, um, if you watch the bowl game against Colorado, they got this running back, uh, Bijan Robinson. That dude is an animal. I, I have no idea why Tom Herman was not giving this guy more carries. Like he was, I mean, maybe Colorado is just complete trash. I mean, that's very, very possible. But he was just breaking off run after run after run in that game, and he he looked great. So did. Um, their quarterback Casey Thompson looked phenomenal too. Once Ellinger got hurt, like they were, they were incredible. So he definitely has, a, has some talent to work with. And I, I don't, I think, you know, we were kind of discussing this when the move was made. I, after thinking about it some more, I think Sarkeesian is probably an upgrade over Herman just for the fact that Herman was so predictable in that he would always win as an underdog and lose as a favorite. So like, it's going to be more consistent, I would say. I guess under Sarkeesian, like you're you're going to you're not you know what you're going to get. I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so you know, I, I think I think Texas will be in the mix. I think TCU will be right there. Um, Gary Patterson, their their team always has a good defense. Um, uh, Duggan, Max Duggan returns at quarterback. Um, so I think they're going to be in contention. So I think those three teams are going to be in contention to play Oklahoma in the title game. TCU. Texas and Iowa State. 
The rest of the teams are, I think, are a little bit below that. Um, the next level would be Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. Um, I think Kansas State could, could surprise uh, out of those three teams. I mean, they were a team that was, again, just completely ravaged by injuries and COVID last year. Um, so they have uh, returning players, um, Skylar Thompson, uh, Deuce Vaughn, um, you know, and and those guys didn't really play or didn't very play at all last year. And uh, those are some you know pretty good players on their offense. And I think their coach, Kleiman, has done a good job so far uh, down there at uh, in Manhattan. Um, so I kind of like them for a bounce back season. Um, Oklahoma State still has uh, – uh, Glennon, I believe, is their quarterback. I have to check on that. I, I'm pretty sure he's still there. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, geez, uh, Spencer Sanders. I'm thinking of somebody else. Um, but they they lose um, uh, their running back there. Oh, geez. Uh, they lose Tylen Wallace, uh, who went to the NFL. They lost uh, the running back there from Canada. His name escapes me at the moment. He got drafted. I forget his name. I'm not good with my memory tonight, but he got drafted. So they lose a lot of offensive talent. So I think they're going to kind of take a step back. Um, Texas Tech, um, I don't really know what to make of them. I mean, they're going to try to run that air raid offense, but I mean, it just it's the same thing with them every year. It's just they really don't have much of a defense. Um, Baylor is they, they were another team that was just really really bad last year. But again, I think you really can't take too much into that because they had a new coach. Aranda came over from LSU, and they just really couldn't install their their program and and whatnot. Um, so I think they should be a little bit better. They brought over a new offensive coordinator. Uh, so we'll see about that. Um, and then I, and then clearly on the bottom of the conference is Kansas. Uh, I do like the hire of Leipold from Buffalo. I think of, you know, any uh, some of the ch- options they had to kind of build up the program from nothing. He was a good choice because that's essentially what he did at Buffalo. But they have a very long way to go. Um, so that's kind of – oh, and I didn't mention West Virginia. They kind of would be in like that second – that second tier of teams, um, you know, kind of a mid-level, like six-win kind of team. Uh, Neil Brown is is still there for, his, I believe, his third year. They should be pretty um, defensively oriented. I don't see a lot of scoring out of them. Um, but, you know, it's always a tough trip because there's, again, you know, the geography of it. They're so far away from most of these schools. So it's always a tough trip when teams go to West Virginia. But they should be pretty um, solid defensively. They have their o- Oklahoma transfer. Kendall should be their quarterback. So they, they should be all right. So again, I think Oklahoma definitely in the title game and then p- take your pick from Texas, Iowa state and TCU. I know I'm, I'm kind of liking Texas to, to get to that big 12 title game. So I'll be different. I'll say Oklahoma, Texas. I know the easy pick is to say Oklahoma, Iowa state. I, I just see Iowa state tripping up here in, in a game that they shouldn't. They always seem to do that. Um, so I'll go with Oklahoma and Texas for the for the Big 12 title game this year, which would be pretty cool actually. I don't I don't think they've played in a Big 12 title game. They they would play on their way out of the conference. <laughs> Imagine that's the final game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you to the rest of the conference their, their final one. I love that so much. So thanks to everybody who just joined us in the chat. Uh, welcome to the program. My name is Dave. I um, Dave in the city out west. Dave Medina specifically. And this is John in Connecticut on the upper left corner of the screen. And on the bottom of the screen, this is Ron in New Jersey. We're covering college football tonight. We're doing our Power 5 conference previews. And we're up to the Big 12 to start us off on on, on that on those previews. I am very interested to see where Oklahoma – I mean, where Iowa State goes from here. Because I like you – I don't exactly trust them to replicate that season. I'm just not that convinced about it. 
I, I didn't realize I had to pick a second team to as far as like who the runner-up would be. So I only made one prediction, but look, Texas is a more talented team, and they're going to be. Like, you keep seeing them get guys to the NFL, and I don't really see that with Iowa State. Not on the same level. So it'll be very interesting to see whether Iowa State can do that again. Very interesting. Um, Ron, let's get your thoughts on the Big 12. Yeah, you know, I am actually uh, fully in on the Iowa State hype. And, uh, I, I, I believe in them, and, and you know, one of the points John mentioned, uh, you know, can't be overstated enough uh, because of you know last year and it being essentially a free year uh, for players. We're seeing so many schools this year uh, that return, you know, seventy-five percent or more of their roster, their starting roster from the year before, and Iowa State's one of those teams. Um, so you're returning, you know, I don't know, uh, I think like 17 or 18 out of the starters uh, to a team that, you know, and, and again, last year, you really can't put any stock into last year uh, because it was such an odd year. But, you know, they did go 11 and 1 or whatever they were. Uh, they played Oklahoma tight. Um, they have really, really good prospects at every level of uh of the the offense and defense um you know they have they have draftable players essentially at, at every position uh so i i do believe that they're a legit threat this year and, and again you know what we said before is you know there's four or five teams who are going to challenge who you know are head and shoulders above everybody and who are going to be in the playoffs uh oklahoma clemson alabama uh ohio state and probably georgia um so my question is my thing is is like what teams are closest to um in those conferences to those teams to overtake them and i really do think that iowa state is closest to oklahoma to challenge them for a playoff spot um you know like we saw last year oklahoma has some hiccups they had to go through and and Spencer Rattler, you know, he like like Andy said today on the board, he looks like Mahomes, uh, you know, one play, and then the next play looks like he has a bag of rocks in his head. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's you know, it's it's just it's crazy. Um, so, I, but I do think Iowa State is close to Oklahoma. I still think Oklahoma is the favorite to win the conference, uh, just because of the talent level. And and like John said, I I fully agree with it. Iowa State trips up um every year it seems like so i would not put money on them beating uh oklahoma winning the conference or going to the the college football playoff but i think they're close and i do think they're a legit threat um and i think the point about texas is it's definitely a good one they have a ton of talent if they can figure out uh if sarkisian can figure out who he wants to quarterback the team and stick with them and let that ride uh, I think they'll be right up there too. Uh, maybe a little bit behind Iowa State and Oklahoma, but you know, a team that could surprise. Um, and, and really, I think those, you know, at least Oklahoma and Iowa State are the top of the conference. If you want to put Texas up there? Go ahead. I think everybody else, like John said, is really like muddled together. Um, you know, Oklahoma State lost a lot of a lot a lot of talent um, going into this year. Uh, you know, Kansas State, you know what you're getting from them. They're going to win six or seven games and, you know, probably pull off an upset or two. Uh, TCU is, you know, whenever you think they're going to have a good year, they they don't. And <laughs> whenever you count them out, they seem to play better. 
so I think this is one of the years where they're they're kind of underrated. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me to see them jump into that third spot in the conference. Uh, and, and West Virginia has, you know, uh, they have a lot of people returning. They have uh, their, their quarterback got hurt last year, Jared Doge, but he's he's back. So I think they could, you know, um, win six or seven games and and contend a little bit, you know, for that third or fourth spot. Um, but to me, it's Oklahoma and Iowa State, and I do think Iowa State is is closer to Oklahoma than we think. And I'll I'll give you this um, prediction now, uh, just like Matt Rule, you know, his last year uh, when he was at, at Baylor, they had a very senior heavy team with a lot of guys who he knew were going to graduate. Uh, so he, you know, this summer before. Uh, his last year at Baylor, he spurned the Jets for whatever reasons. Uh, went back to Baylor, coached there, you know, had a, had a really good year, and then got out, went to the NFL, and went to Carolina. I think you're going to see uh, the Iowa State coach Matt Campbell do the same thing. Uh, I, I don't think these guys are dumb. I think he knows he has, uh, you know, a lot of experience on his team. I think he knows this is his, his one big year. Uh, you know, and I, I think regardless of what happens this year, you're going to see him just like last summer. He's going to be mentioned for, with every NFL opening, and I actually think this year he'll take a job. And uh, Iowa State better hope they have a, a decent backup plan in place. I tell you what, I tell you what, Ron. I'm a little surprised he's still there right now. I actually thought that was going to yeah. happen too. You know, it's so interesting. It's a great point. Um, as far as my prediction. Um, I will reluctantly add Iowa State just because I think Campbell is a, is a more known commodity. We already know what to expect with them. I do think they're going to trip up. I do think that Texas could take that other spot, though. I really don't wouldn't be surprised at all if Texas took it. They're just they're just recruiting better at this point. However, you're right. Iowa State still is a very solid team. They return everybody, so it could it really could go either way. So I I think well, we could we could see either of these. Uh, scenarios in, in effect. But in the end, I still think Oklahoma is going to win. What I'm most surprised about, just from all my reading, is that Rattler is, in fact, the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman. I actually thought Sam Howell would be that person. Um, did that surprise you guys, or did you feel this, did you feel that way the whole time? Yeah, I, I think Rattler probably deserves to be the favorite just because of the, uh, you know, the team that he plays for mm-hmm. and how you know, closer they are to, to national prom- prominence than North Carolina is. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see uh, Howell uh, have a better year than, than than Spencer Rattler, for sure. Now, I'm also curious as to who's going to be a better NFL prospect. It feels like, to me, I still think Howell's going to be the one that the scouts want more. But we'll, f- we'll find out. We'll find out. Let's move on to the ACC. And speaking of which, we have Howell, who I think is going to have a really interesting situation in North Carolina. It looks like they're the favorite to win the one of the the divisions, and Miami would probably be the other favorite in the division. But obviously, when you talk about the the primary division, Clemson, because I can never know which one's Coastal and which one's Atlantic. I forget which is which. But Clemson is going to win one of the divisions, and they'll be winning that one easily. DJ Ugalalele will take over for uh, for Trevor Lawrence, who now is with Jacksonville in the NFL. And those are basically your cornerstones of that conference. Miami's going to be a factor. FSU was brutal, so I, I, it's a, it'll be interesting to see whether they have enough to, to be respectable. I don't think the bar's high for them. We'll see. So um, let's go back to John. Let's get your prediction for the ACC. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it's pretty easy one, Dave. Like you said, it. Clemson's going to win the league, and they're going to probably be in the college football playoff again. Yep. I mean, even though they lose, <laughs> they lose Trevor Lawrence. DJ will step right in. Um, we saw him play at that one game against Notre Dame um, last year, and you know they lost, but he he played fine, and um, he'll 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 do a, a fine job. The only concern is they really don't have a backup after him. Um, so, you know, we just, they just got to hope that he stays healthy all, all season. Um, so they're, they're going to, they're going to have head and shoulders above the rest of the, their division, uh, for one, um, I'm interested to see Florida state this year in their second year, um, with Norvell, uh, you know, obviously last year was challenging for all these guys, but especially like for a first year coach, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, you really can't implement your system. You have all these, the COVID situations. So, um, I'm, I'm interested to see if, if they can kind of move up and show more promise in his second year. I believe that Mackenzie Milton, remember him from UCF? He transferred there yeah. to Florida State. So we'll see if he, he plays, if he starts um, the first game against Notre Dame on that week one. That should be pretty interesting. I, I, I think, you know, I mean, he almost lost his leg. So I don't think he's going to be as mobile as he once was, but he was a very accurate passer. So they could have something there. Um, they could be a surprise team if, if Milton is still, um, um, you know, still has that, that pinpoint accuracy that he did when he last played for, uh, for UCF. Um, another team in the division that's kind of on the rise is Boston college. I think they did a, a you know, an unbelievable job last year, uh, halfly in his first season to get to six and five. And the key was the transfer quarterback, Turkovich, who came over from Notre Dame, um, and he was tremendous, and they're only going to improve uh, this year off of that. So I think they're a team to kind of watch out for. Um, obviously, they're not going to be beating Clemson, but I think they could maybe get second in that division. Um, NC State had a good year. Uh, you know, there was kind of, you know, a lot of close wins and, and whatnot, but still I think they won like seven or eight games, and, um, you know, they returned a bunch, of, a bunch of their players, and I believe – they had a, a their quarterback was hurt and then came back at the end of the year. I'm just looking up. At, I think it was yeah, Devin Leary. Yeah, so he started the year and he got hurt and then another guy came in and did pretty well. But he started the year um, fantastic last year. So uh, I think those three teams I think are the ones that are going to be kind of right there after um, or next in line in the standings after Clemson. So Boston College, Florida State, and North Carolina State. And I think the other three really don't have much to offer. I mean, Louisville, you know, they're, they have a lot of explosive plays, but like their defense wasn't very good. And uh, I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, Wake Forest is the same kind of six and six kind of team every year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, they're Clawson does a good job with them just considering all the, the talent that they get there. Um, I, they do return their, their quarterback. But I mean, it's, it's you know, this is just a ceiling for them. And then we talked about Syracuse; they just should be dreadful again, unfortunately, for <laughs> our friend Chris there, who was on the chat. But um, and then you look at the other division. As always, the Coastal is the one that's the toss-up, and you know the two, the two teams that are be battling it out this year are you know, obviously Miami and North Carolina. Dave, you mentioned Howell, um, a potential Heisman contender for North Carolina. Same thing with Miami and Derek King. He's going to be in the Heisman mix. Oh, very much. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah, whoever wins that game will likely win the division and go up against Clemson um, in the ACC title game. Um, you know, as far as the other teams in the division, I mean, Duke was just god awful last year. But 
I, I, they had a, they had a quarterback, um, Bryce, who transferred from Clemson, and I think he had like five turnovers a game or six. It was un- I've never seen anything like it. The Duke had probably had forty turnovers last year. It was, it was insane. So he's he's not there anymore. So they can only get better for that. And I know Cliff usually does a good job, but they shouldn't be. Um, they're not going to be near the top of the division. Uh, Georgia Tech is getting better slowly but surely under Collins. I think they're still transitioning from that option offense that they ran. So that that takes a while. Um, we mentioned Virginia Tech and and Fuentes. Uh, they're they're a talented team. It's just the the culture and the it's just not right there. Um, I, so I don't really see them doing much of anything. You know, Pitt again is your typical kind of like Wake Forest. They're going to be six and six or seven and five. Um, you know, Narduzzi's a good defensive coach, but I don't think they're really going to do much of anything in terms of challenging for the division. And then Virginia. Um, again, some good coaches in this division. My Bronco Mendenhall is a good coach, but yeah. I just don't think they they're going to be able to match up with um, North Carolina or Miami. When it comes down to that game, um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of leaning Miami. I have to say, um, I don't know for whatever reason. I just I, I like the Eric King. I like their um, their offense, and you know uh, North Carolina. I I believe. If I remember from last year, um, they beat them like it was just a historic beatdown, and I think it was like I have to look up the schedule, but it was like they gave up like six or seven hundred yards on the ground. So there's definitely be some revenge for for that game, uh, in my opinion. Anyway, I think Miami's been thinking about that um, all off season. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, they lost <laughs> sixty two to twenty six to to North Carolina, and they just. I think they gave up like 500 yards rushing. It was just a, a disaster of a game. So I think they'll get revenge for that one um, in North Carolina. So give me Clemson and, uh, and Miami for the ACC title. I like the pick. That's a good pick. You know, Miami's got some talent. You know, you remember the turnover chain too in years earlier. But uh, I really – the biggest thing for me with Miami is I hope Derek King is healthy. Yeah, that was a brutal ACL injury. I just hope he's rehabbing well and he plays because he's fun to watch, you know. So I, I just want him to be good, to be, be playing well and feeling well. We'll see. Uh, Chris, with these comments, Dave, the Notre Dame-Florida State game is critical to the scenario discussed this afternoon, which is the Notre Dame over-under, which is nine games, nine wins. So we're not going to cover Notre Dame until tomorrow. However, they were an ACC opponent last year. Do you think Notre Dame could get to nine wins enough? Of course, and as he mentions, the FSU game will be a very interesting factor in that decision i don't know what do you think john what do you think you think notre dame has nine win potential in them uh give me a second dave i'll pull up their schedule okay. i mean i know they're playing their typical like they're back to playing like mostly big 10 teams i know they play stanford and usc i'm i'm, I'm assuming i know that they're probably playing playing navy um all right let's see here notre dame all right, so they got Florida State, Toledo, Purdue, Wisconsin, oh Cincinnati. They got some tough games. Yeah, tough Virginia game. Tech, USC, North Carolina, Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Stanford. All right, so the end of the schedule is not too bad. The last four they should be able to win those. So it's the key games here are USC, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Cincinnati. Florida State. Uh, yeah, that. What is it, Dave? Nine and a half. You said? Yeah, and I'll give you the odds too because we were talking about it this afternoon. So the over is plus one hundred five, under is minus one twenty. Yeah, I think they'll lose three of those games. I would take under nine and a half. Okay. 
So if it was under nine and a half, yeah, I, I think under, I would definitely take under nine and a half. If it was nine even, it's a tougher call. That, that's tougher. I mean, I'd probably bet yeah, the nine and a half with a little juice. I, I definitely would pay that. I don't think they're going to win 10 games on that schedule. Yeah, I agree. That's a lot of top 25 talent in one sitting, right? Especially even Cincinnati. Like, I mean, they were undefeated last year. So right, that is certainly not a win by any means. Even Toledo. I was even mentioning to our friend Chris, like Toledo is not a bad team. Like they they were right there in the max, so that's that is gonna be. I mean, I think they'll win that game. I'm just saying, like, but Toledo won't be the easiest win ever in the schedule. So yeah, I'm with you. Okay, so let's go back to Ron, and you can answer that too if you want. But more importantly, let's get your ACC preview. Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame under. Uh, I think you could make the the argument that you know almost every single game on their schedule, uh, you could see them. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if they lost to uh, to Navy, but uh, like you said, Dave, uh, Toledo's not bad either. So I mean, every single game on there is 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 kind of a, a toss up, uh, at least on paper right now. So I would definitely lean uh, towards the under. Um, <clears throat> in terms of ACC, uh, you know, I, I think it's similar to the Big Twelve. I think you have the two teams up there. I think it's Clemson and North Carolina. Um, and I think there's everybody else, you know, under them. Uh, and I know that's uh, every preview I've read has, says the same thing. So I'm not really going out on a limb there, but uh, <laughs> I do think they are kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. Uh, I read a crazy stat uh, today. I, I actually saw on, on Twitter. Uh, I think it was over the last 10 years. Maybe it was over the last five, but I'm pretty sure it was over the last 10 Clemson's point differential is like plus, I think like fourteen hundred, and the next team in the ACC was Virginia Tech, and it was plus eighty six. So it just goes to show you like how much better Clemson is than everybody else over the the past decade in that conference. They are, um, and, and they're they're on the level of of an Alabama. Like they could lose, uh, you know, a generational talent like like Trevor Lawrence and, and replace him with somebody who uh, might not be as good, but uh, might be a better fit for the college game and for the, for their offense. I mean, we saw him light up uh, uh, Notre Dame last year uh, in his one start. So, you know, Clemson is, is to me until they lose and get knocked off uh, in ACC, they're in my opinion, they're the favorites. Uh, I think in the other division, North Carolina, uh, is the favorite there. Uh, I think Sam Hell is uh, a tremendous college player. To me, uh, and, and to your point, Dave, I, I think him and Rattler, uh, when it comes to the NFL and, and how high they get drafted, I think they're neck and neck right now. And I think this season will really uh, go to, to see if one of them separates from the other. But to me, he is the clone of, of Baker Mayfield. He is, I mean, you look at him, his stature, his swagger, his his game. He's Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. Um, so he's really uh, carried North Carolina, and they have a, a good uh, returning nucleus. And their schedule is, I mean, outside of, of playing at Notre Dame in October, I mean, they have a cupcake of a schedule. I think they, they play Georgia State as one of their non-conference games. They play Wolford as a non-conference game uh, and they avoid Clemson. So, I mean, really everything is set up for North Carolina to make a big run this year. Can they, 
We'll see. Like yeah. like John said, they play Miami at home. Uh, will Miami, you know, be out for a range? Of course. Uh, will they be able to do it? That's another story. Uh, I do think Miami is that third team in the conference. Uh, but the, the the one thing that scares me about Miami is is they always seem to get hit with big time injuries. Like every year, the past four or five years, um, they they at least one of their key players gets hurt, uh, and and they can't put you know, their, their, their best roster out there week in and week out. So that's the one thing that, that scares me about Miami, but uh, I do, I am a big fan of Derek King. I, I, I hope he stays healthy this year and, and I hope they make a run in North Carolina. Um, but I do think they're, they're the third team in there. John nailed everything else. I mean, really you have, you have those three teams and you, you have, you know, five or six teams below them who are all going to be fighting for, for um, all eligibility um, you know, in, in terms of uh, Virginia, Pitt isn't that bad this year. Uh, like, like John said, Boston College is actually, you know, it's amazing. They, they fired, uh, uh, what the hell is the guy's name? Who's the good coach at Colorado State now, Adazio or whatever he is. They went from being one of the most unwatchable teams to being uh, like a, a really fun team to watch in a year. Um, and, and I guess a lot of it has to do with Jerkovic too, but, There'll be a team that, you know, that should play for a bowl. Uh, NC State has uh, their quarterback, like John said, Devin Leary, got hurt last year. He's really good. They have a couple, like, uh, uh, high, highly draftable guys um, who, who are going to go uh, first and second round next year. So they'll probably be a bowl team. And, uh, and you guys hit the nail on the head with Florida State. I mean, they, uh, you know, they can make some noise this year. Um you know, as, as long as they get good quarterback play and, and Mackenzie Millen's healthy, I think, uh, you know, they, they should be a bowl team uh, and, and they should play some team stuff. So, uh, but but the ACC, again, I, I think it's going to come down to North Carolina and Clemson. I think North Carolina is, uh, they, they've at least narrowed the gap to Clemson this year, uh, but I would still put, give the edge to Clemson overall. Oh, there's no doubt that Clemson's going to be the team that wins this conference. I'm not even, I think... Two quarterbacks would have to have ACL tears within the season for them to be <laughs> challenged in that scenario. You know the deal. They're, they're so talented. And uh, I listen, I'll say this. Like, I was a big uh, uh, Dabo Sweeney guy, you know, for uh, the past couple of years. Uh, but even I'm, like, burned out by him. <laughs> you know? I know. Even I'm, uh, I'm sick of his, uh, you know, you know what the, the talk you're going to get with him. <laughs> he came out and was against expanding to the playoffs. Uh, you know, he's against, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, he's, he's just gotten more tough to take. He was, he was against like the, the COVID restrictions right. last year. Remember that, yep. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's getting to the point where it's, it's just, he's, he's getting a little uh, long in the tooth and, uh, and he's just uh, becoming like that cranky old man. And, uh, you know, I'd be happy to see somebody knock them off. Yeah, not only that, but then he always pulls that woe is, uh, woe is me routine. He always says that everybody picked against us. It's like, bullshit. Like, <laughs> the second best team in the in the fall Who's culture. picking against him? I like to meet these people. Like, seriously, it's <laughs> pick their action day. Remember, I know. Remember when he said um, the day that players get paid is the day he quits? Well, I think yeah. he's still coaching. So, yeah, he's a, he's a liar about that one, too. <laughs> yeah, he's full of shit. That's a very good point. Very good point. So it, he used to be a very easy to root for guy. Now he's not. Like he's just become really tough to take. So we all agree on that one. My predictions: I'm going to go Clemson to win Atlantic, 
And I will go North Carolina, though. I do know that Howell tends to be a little bit loosey-goosey with the way he throws the ball, so I'm a little concerned about his turnover to um, to, to touchdown rate. We're going to find that out, and we'll see. But I do like Miami, too. I do think Miami's going to be good. I think is going to make a much bigger stand this year. I think they'll be a lot better. I'm very interested. I'm just interested to see where Milton is. Like I, I hadn't seen him in a while. He was great with UCF, so I just want to see him. It'll be fun. All right, so let's go to the Big Ten. And in the Big Ten, we're looking at Ohio State, who once again are going to be the creme de la creme. However, there are some tangible questions about who's going to play quarterback for them this year. We just don't know. It's a very tricky situation for them, but they're so talented everywhere else, specifically Chris Olave. Olave is their star wide receiver. He's going to be phenomenal again. It's going to be a great year for them, I believe. Penn State, they can really go, uh, they can only go up. It was just a it was just a freak year. A lot of people opted out. Then they had injuries. They're not as bad as they looked in 2020. I really think they're going to be you know eight to ten wins again. I really do. Um, Indiana is a real question mark for me. I don't know. MSU's down. And then as Ron said earlier, Frost is big time under the hot seat or over the hot seat. Should I say? Fleck might be two. Fleck had a rough year last year at Minnesota. So let's go and get yeah. the previews for those conferences. And, John, we're going to go back to you. Hold on once we see it here on YouTube. Okay. All right, John, we'll go back to you, and we'll get your preview for the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, it starts with Ohio State. Um, I think as of now, it's going to be C.J. Stroud, last I heard, for Ohio State. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I saw they had just had this guy sign Quinn Ewers. Like, he legit was a senior in high school, and he, like, wanted to get the NIL money. Well, good for him. Like, you know, it's America. It's a free country. You can do that if you want. But basically, he's skipping high school um, or senior year of high school, and he signed with Ohio State and has, like, all these endorsement deals. And he's, like, one of the highest-rated quarterback prospects. So, like, is, is he in contention to start? For, like, is he on campus to start for the job? Like, I, I honestly have no idea. Do you guys know anything about that? Yeah, he's he's enrolled. They they said that he officially like enrolled. Uh, I think it was today. So he's on campus and he's with the team. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Um. Yeah, but I, Dave, you you nailed it though. Like whoever starts is it's just a plethora of talent. I mean, with Olave and you know, um, they did lose their running back from last year, but they'll just plug guys right in. And Master Teagues is is there. So, you know, they're just going to keep on keep on rolling. And um, you know, props to Ryan Day for for keeping this going. Um, once he once he took over there, so uh, either they're clear the favorites, and they're probably going to uh, win their division, uh, and and be and again be in contention for the for the college football playoff. Um, you're right about Penn State. I think they should be better for sure. I mean, they just started off they just started off so bad last year. Well, they were like what zero and four or zero and five, and a lot of those losses they outgained their opponent. It was just some bad luck, some turnovers, and they just they just. Um, I remember that Indiana game. They had that. Uh, that crazy review at the end of the game, like uh, I think it was um, their quarterback, Indiana's quarterback, like stretched it out uh, in overtime and like barely the tip of the ball barely touched the the end line to get the touchdown to win. Like just they just had some crazy, crazy bad luck against them. So um, I do think they'll be much better than they were last year. Um, so I think they're probably the second best team in that division. Um, I, I don't know what what does what does Michigan have going for it this year? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at their their depth chart now. I mean, their Don Brown is gone, so I guess 
they won't have those stupid like same deep de- the same defense and blitz that was getting beat every single time against <laughs> Ohio State every year. They won't be calling that anymore, I guess. So that's that's kind of good. Um, they actually they brought in a guy from the Ravens, so clearly the Harbaugh's were were working on that together. You know, Jim stole his, uh, from John is is uh, one of his assistants. So I don't know what kind of defense they're going to run. Uh, there's a, a competition there at quarterback. Um, uh, they brought in Alan Bowman from Texas Tech. He's got some potential, I will say that. But um, I don't know. I just don't see them as more than like a seven or eight win team. And that's just that's just kind of who they've been recently. Um, in terms of the other teams, I mean, everyone loves Indiana this year, and you know you, you can't say enough about what Allen, uh, Tom Allen, has done with their program, turning it from basically like. You know, it used to be all right. Well, football season is just a couple months now to basketball. Well, they have a legit top twenty-five team, and Penix is is hopefully going to be healthy after returning from an injury. But like his his um, you know, that's that's what you have to worry about is him getting hurt again. I don't think he's played a full season in the last couple of years, and their defense is good. It's just they have a really tough schedule. So I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to be a challenger to Ohio State in terms of the division. But I think between. Uh, they're probably the second, probably the second, uh, I'm sorry, the third best team. I put Penn State too, and then probably Indiana and Michigan in that next, that next slot. And then the three teams after that are kind of a, a notch below with um, Maryland, Michigan State, and Rutgers. Rutgers is getting better, though. I will say that. I mean, they played really hard last year for Shiano, so you can clearly see, um, you know, the improvements that that he made, and, and they're definitely on an upward tra- trajectory. They're no longer like a and you saw Rutgers on the schedule, like, oh, easy win. Um, you know, they're they're probably they might probably not going to get to a bowl game, but they'll they'll be again competitive, and and they might you know pick off a game that they shouldn't win. Um, Maryland has Tua's brother Tyola Tagovailoa. Um, you know, I, I I don't trust Loxley though. I mean, his record, if you remember, at New Mexico, he was legit like two and thirty-five when he was a head coach in New Mexico. But he certainly can recruit, so I'll give him that. But um, you know, they're just Maryland is just so up and down. Like one game they'd win forty to five to three, and the next game they're losing fifty to three. So it's just you just can't figure them out. Um, so they're just so up and down. So I could see again, I could see them as a team to kind of like win a game they shouldn't and then lose a game they shouldn't and just very inconsistent. And then Michigan State, um, Mel Tucker again is is uh, in his second year. Again, like a lot of these coaches who took over last year, you really can't make a lot of it because of the whole COVID situation, but uh, um, their quarterback from last year, Rocky Lombardi is no longer there. And that's probably a good thing because he, he was just, he was just not very good. So we'll see about them, but I think clearly Ohio state's the favorite in that division. And then I think Penn state and Indiana and uh, Michigan will, will be like your next um, next three after that. And then in the West, it's much more interesting as always for the division race. But I think you got to go with Wisconsin. Um, you know, Graham Mertz he showed just some stuff last year. I remember the first game of the Big Ten schedule. They played Illinois. I mean, again, granted, it's Illinois, but he had like six touchdowns. He looked phenomenal. And then literally the next day, it's like, all right, well, Graham Mertz is out. He's got COVID nineteen, and he never really recovered from that. And he's he was a pretty highly touted um, recruit. So I, I think uh, you know. You know, they're, you know they're going to have a good offensive line. You know they're going to be able to run the ball. Um, in addition to Mertz being there, they, they have a good defense. I think they're going to be the team to beat um, in that division. 
Uh, Iowa is probably next after that. Um, you know, they have a, a returning quarterback and, and some other returning starters. But you know what you're going to get from Iowa every year. It's going to be that same, you know, eight and four kind of team um, that's just is going to play solid, like just not very exciting football, a brand of football. But they're, you know, they'll they'll get there. Like I said, they'll get their seven or eight wins. But I don't think they're going to be able to to get past Wisconsin um, in that division. Um, you know, PJ Fleck in Minnesota still rowing the boat, but their defense isn't very good. Uh, you know, you saw it like uh, there are going to be a lot of shootouts, I think, for, for uh, um, Minnesota. We mentioned Nebraska with Frost on the hot seat. Um, I don't think it's going to work out well for him. Uh, we'll see. Um, Purdue is another team, like great offense, but no defense. Interestingly enough, well, I shouldn't say not interesting, but they fired Bob Diaco, which I'm kind of sad about because I like. <laughs> betting overs with him and betting against them. And it's funny, they're playing at UConn this year. So oh. that would have been a nice revenge. That would have been a nice revenge game. Yeah. Now I, you know, can't, can't take in that uh, joy of, of maybe scoring some points on them. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they have some experienced quarterbacks, O'Connell and, and Plummer, but like, you know, their defense again, is not very good. Um, Illinois, we talked about Bielema's first year. They're going to try to run the ball and, some teams are going to be able to stop it. Some teams aren't going to be able to stop it. So that's kind of that's kind of what they're going to do. Like teams who have bad linebackers and can't stop the run, or Illinois is going to do well against, and the other teams they're just going to get shut down. Uh, Brandon Peters is still there um, somehow. Um, so at least they have at him. Oh, and Northwestern didn't even mention them. You know they lose a ton of last year, so they're one of the rare teams that did not benefit from this extra year. I mean, obviously they were in the Big Ten title game, but they just lost a bunch of players from last year. Um, so we'll, we'll see how, uh, you know, Fitzgerald is going to be able to kind of coach them up more than I guess their talent level or their, you know, young, younger players. But I do think it's Wisconsin in this division. So, I mean, it's an easy pick to make, but I think it's Wisconsin and Ohio state um, for the big 10 title. And I'm going to agree with you on that. You know, the one, the, the teams you want to watch in that in, in the big 10, Meaning the ones that were there, you might see something different from them this year. Indiana's one. And then the other one, as you mentioned, was... Uh, I just totally forgot already. But, but, uh, but yeah, but I think you're right about that. Um, let's go to Ron and let's get your, your, your preview of the Big Ten as well. Yeah, I, I think John nailed everything. Uh, he really did. Uh, to me, it's obviously it's Ohio State is, is, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else in the conference, uh, especially in their division. Um, you know, even with a quarterback change, uh, they might have one of the the best defensive lines of the past, uh, you know, decade uh, going this year. They, I mean, they just – they're so loaded at, at virtually every position other than quarterback. Uh, and, and, you know, who knows if they – they could probably plug in anybody in there and just continue to roll, uh, especially with the playmakers they have at, at wide receivers. So – uh, they might have three wide receivers who go in the first round this year in the draft. Uh, so it just goes to show how loaded they are there. Uh, so, so to me, it's, I mean, it's easy to pick them and I, I think they're going to win hands down. Um, and, and I do think Wisconsin is the, is the, uh, the best team in, in the big 10 West. Uh, you know, like John said, uh, Mertz, uh, had a had a great opening game and then kind of caught COVID. Uh, Wisconsin caught. Uh, I, I think they missed like two weeks in a row. They had to cancel games uh, and played a game and then missed another two weeks. So 
uh, you know, they were just all over the place. Uh, again, another a weird year for them. Uh, but I, I do think it'll come down to Ohio State, Wisconsin. I, I think outside of Ohio State, I, I think the rest of the Big Tw- uh, the Big Ten is going to be a whole bunch of teams who were six or seven win teams um, and, and kind of lumped in there. I don't think there's another team that kind of like stands out above that. Um, you know, Indiana, great story last year. Uh, really fun to watch, uh, fun to see that that program turn it around. Tom Allen, hell of a job, you know, um, deserves all the accolades. They just seem like, to me, like a team that, you know, if, if one thing goes wrong uh, this year, you might see them regress a little bit. You know, they had, like, like you guys mentioned, they had that, that miracle win kind of against Penn State, and they just rolled uh, after that, you know, if, if it – goes reverse this year I, I could see you know the opposite happening uh so I, I can't put a ton of stock in them uh Penn State obviously is going to be better than they were last year uh just a, a fluke year for them um but are they at the level of where they normally are where they're you know 10 11 wins I don't think so uh I, I do think that that program is a little bit on the decline um you know, uh, so I, I don't think they're going to challenge Ohio State. Michigan, you guys hit the nail on the head. They're a seven or eight win team. Uh, they, they have virtually, you know, they have no quarterback. Uh, and that's the one thing that has shocked me about Harbaugh and his tenure there is, you know, they always seem to put like a competitive team around the quarterback and he cannot figure out the quarterback position for the life of him in college. Yeah. Uh, and, and is it, you know, the fact that, you know, he, he turns out assistant coaches like uh, like nobody's business? I don't know. You know, I'm sure that plays plays a role into it. Uh, but he also, you know, he had talented, in my opinion, he had talented guys on, on the roster at quarterback and continued to go for those guys like Wilton Spate uh, because they were game managers and wouldn't turn the ball over. And, and I think to, that was to his detriment. And, uh and now he's stuck in a spot where, you know, I, I think the game's kind of passed, passed him by uh, and he's trying to play catch up. Uh, so they're, I don't think they're going to challenge uh, this year. Uh, and in the West, I mean, you know, outside of Wisconsin, you know, Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern, I could see any of those teams uh, challenging Wisconsin. Um, Iowa to me is, is the most complete team in that uh, division, but it just, it, it, it's it's going to be how good their quarterback is Spencer uh, Petrus or whatever his name is. Uh, you know, he, he, he would look good one week. He would look awful the next, uh, you know, there, he was so uneven um, and, and they have a kid behind them. Uh, I, I think his name's Padilla who is supposed to be really good. Uh, but Kirk Ferentz is one of those guys who, who will play the experienced guy uh, uh, and, and kind of let you know, the, the talent uh, sit for a while and again i think that's to the to the detriment of his team i i think the the really good teams like uh like clemson and alabama have have perfected the art of knowing when to go to the to the more talented quarterback regardless of how much experience he has and there's still some of those guys who are stuck in uh, in the old school ways like harbaugh and Ferenc, uh who will you know they'll lean on experience over talent and it uh and it kind of keeps those programs from getting to that next level. So, uh, you know, the and and the one uh, 
team I think that can be a kind of a dark horse is Minnesota. Like they had such a bad year last year, they they really can only go uh, can go up. Uh, and and you know Fleck is one of those guys. You know he when you think he's going to be again when you think he's going to be good, they're not. And when you kind of count him out and, and say, you know, LOL Fleck, you know, he always has his team uh, overachieve. So I wouldn't put it past them to make a run at, at Wisconsin and Big Ten West. But, uh, yeah, overall, it's it's. I think it'll be Ohio State and Wisconsin, but Ohio State is head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in, that, in, in the Big Ten. Uh, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Minnesota or Iowa uh, – challenge wisconsin but i'll go ohio state wisconsin in the in the title game and, and ohio state is the champion i mirror all of that ron i i think ohio state will win that conference still win the east wisconsin will win the west it's a boring pick as far as the the west is concerned but but i just think there's just too much uncertainty anywhere else in that division i think the shame of it is that indiana isn't in the west i feel like there would be a more it would be more exciting there but Indiana's just not going to be as good as Ohio State. They just can't meet. They cannot keep up with them. Um, in fact, that was interesting because they played against each other last year, and Indiana did everything it could to hang in there. But they just didn't. Have, they just they just gave up, and they just lost by a lot at near the end. Um, or did they? I, I'll, I'll double check that. But but he's comments from Christian Syracuse. He says paint drying is greater than the Michigan State offense. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. Those were some rough games. And then uh, Kristen Syracuse, nothing compares to the space between Husker Nation expectations and reality. Though, you have to think that there are some expectations across the board for Frost. I really am. I'm truly surprised it's gone this badly. I didn't think it'd be this bad. So I I think for what it's worth, it it seemed like a slam dunk and move at the time. So it just doesn't work out sometimes. So um, let's go to the Pac-12. And I don't know. This is going to – I'm not really sure what to make of this conference. I do like Oregon. I think they're going to be strong. Arizona State with the swirling investigation about uh, improper benefits or whatever have you, the recruiting violations. I mean, if you if you were to just focus on them in a vacuum without that, they look like a great team in the West. USC should be strong as well in that division. And then everybody else is just kind of a work in progress. UCLA is. Colorado is. Though they had a good year last year. Very good. It'll be interesting. John, let's go back to you and get the Pac-12 preview. Yeah, I think this might be my favorite conference, actually, Dave, um, because it's so competitive. Yeah. Like, you could pick, like, the West is like a four-team race. Um, you know, the, the uh, sorry, the West, the South, South is right? like yeah. a four-team race. Yeah, South, yeah, they're all in the West. Um, the North is more of a, a two-team battle between Oregon and Washington. Um, you know, I guess we'll, we'll start with those two. You know, Oregon is going to be very talented. They clearly um, are going to have one of the best defensive players in the country with Thibodeau is probably going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. Um, you know, Anthony Brown is is likely to be their quarterback. Verdell returns. I mean, you know, they're going to be they're going to be solid um, pretty much everywhere. Uh, they only lose uh, Sewell obviously got drafted last year off their offensive line. Um but I worry about them is their coaching. Like I, I am not a fan of Cristobal, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, like might be bitter gambler talking in me for a few of these things, but he just manages the end of games just very poorly. And I, I don't know. I just have not, just not a fan of his and, you know, they're, they're very talented, but I think he kind of holds them back 
Obviously, the other challenger in the division is Washington. Um, I, honestly, I do not re- even remember Washington playing a game last year. I know they did, <laughs> but I, I honestly – they might have played like two games because I don't remember seeing them at all. I, I know Dylan Morris is slated to be um, their quarterback again. Um, they do have a, a – Brock Heward's kid is a freshman, and I guess he's supposed to be really good. So maybe he'll end up starting. But, you know, with um, – uh, Jimmy Lake, they're going to be, they're going to have a good defense, and uh, you know we'll see. I, I think just because of the, the, I think it's a coaching edge. So I, I would probably go with Washington over Oregon in the, uh, in the North Division. In my opinion, that's that's where I'm leaning towards. Um, the other teams in the division uh, probably aren't, aren't going to challenge. Uh, Cal is interesting. Um, Wilcox has done a nice job there, and uh, Garbers when he's healthy. At quarterback, they do pretty well when he's in there. Um, the problem is he hasn't really been able to stay healthy. So hopefully they'll be able to keep him on the field. Um, and, and you know, and when that happens, they should have a have a pretty good season. Now everyone's talking about Stanford. Oh, Stanford's back. Stanford's back. Well, I think they won their last four games by a total of like ten points last year. Some of them were some miracle wins. So I'm not as high on Stanford as as some people. I think they're they could kind of take a step back. Um, then you have Washington State with uh, with um, uh, Rolovich his second year and uh, Deloria. Uh, um, he, he's pretty talented, um, a talented guy for at their quarterback. But I don't know. It's it just kind of you know we're not going to get political on the show, but like he's, he couldn't go to Pac-12 Media Day because he was unvaccinated, and like you wonder if that like seeps down into the team and like there's legit like you could have forfeits this year like the. The conferences are not going out of their way to reschedule games for teams that can't can't play. So we'll we'll see about that. I don't know. Um, and then Oregon State, uh, uh, Jonathan Jonathan Smith still there at coach. Their defense is going to be pretty bad. Um, yeah, they're probably going to be in the basement of the division. But you know, clearly Washington and Oregon are the top two here. And um, I'll go with Washington. Like I said, I am just not a fan of uh, Cristobal. And even though, like I said, I haven't seen, I don't think I saw Washington play last year, but I do like, um, I think their defense will be pretty good. So we'll go with them. The more interesting race is in the South Division. Well, we can cross off Arizona and Colorado right away. <laughs> uh, I know Colorado was kind of surprising last year, but they don't think they have a quarterback anymore. Um, Neuer transferred. And I think I just saw their quarterback who was supposed to start just got hurt. So I have no idea who they're starting at quarterback. So let's – and, you know, Carl Durrell, I know he did a good job last year, but it was all smoke and mirrors, so they're not going to do much of anything. Arizona completely rebuilding with Jed Fish, of all people, hired to take over at Arizona. So it, it's going to be a struggle for them. Um, yeah, I don't know if they'll win the conference game. It's going to be rough. So really it's four teams here, Arizona State, USC, Utah, and UCLA. We kind of mentioned UCLA when we did that little brief preview of the – uh, week zero games, um, basically returning everybody on offense. DTR, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, um, for those of you who don't know. Uh, so Chip Kelly's finally starting to get his guys in place. Um, so they should be able to score a ton of points. The problem is their defense is not very good. So they're just going to try, you know, get into shootouts basically on every week. Their week one game is against L. Well, they play Hawaii week zero, but then they host LSU on uh, the first on Labor Day weekend. That's going to be a very interesting game. Well, I did see the Hawaii game. I was just looking at the spreads. That was taken off the board. I guess DTR hasn't been to practice, so I don't uh, know. We got to keep an eye on that one. What do you um, think? 
Health, yeah. health he, concerns? He's not playing. Mm. Um, you know, that could be that could be interesting. Um, so as terms of the other teams in the division, Dave, you know, USC with um, Slovis is back. He's going to have a ton of weapons always to, to throw to. They're going to get that air raid going. Um, you know, they're going to score. And then it's just going to be up to to Clay Helton to see if he can not mismanage the, mismanage the game. Like, they need to improve on their running game, though. They just can't be an entire just air raid throw it 60 times a game. Like, they need to get something out of their running game. And that's really what killed them in the Pac-12 title game. They just couldn't run the ball. And then, you know, you can sit back and, and just – uh, sit on those 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 breaking routes on the air raid. It's just not going to work. So, um, you know, they need to establish a running game. And then you have Arizona State, as you guys mentioned, under the possible sanctions from the NCAA. But they, they have a very talented team. Jalen Daniels is returns. And Herm Edwards has done a really nice job. I mean, we, we laughed a few years ago when he was hired, but he's done great. And he's kind of done into that CEO role of the – of the program and kind of letting his coordinators kind of do their thing and brought in a ton of talent. And, you know, that if it wasn't for the, you know, the NCAA stuff kind of hanging over their head, I think they'd be the easy pick in the division, but that just kind of really kind of puts a cloud of um, uncertainty on the season. And then Utah, Utah is the final team here. They return basically just about everybody um, from last year. Defense should be great. Charlie Brewer transfers from Baylor, and I think that's a huge addition to their team. I mean, he was in the, um, you know, they were they could have been in the college football playoff uh, two years ago when when uh, Matt rules last year. So he knows, uh, you know, big time college football. So I think that was a great transfer for Utah. Um, so I think I'll, I'll go with Utah actually to, to take this south. So we'll go um, Washington and Utah. Kind of an odd pick. Uh, for for the Pac-12, but that's kind of how I, I like it. Like I said, I would go with Arizona State. I just I just don't know what's going on with those violations and and what could happen in the season. So um, I'll take my pick elsewhere. So Washington, Washington, and Utah for me. Love it. That's it's cool that you went with a with a different pick. And as you mentioned, the, the ASU violation issue is a big part of it. There's no question. You know, it's funny. You mentioned how um, Herm is letting his assistants do the work. But when the assistants are the ones that are implicated, that that really throws a wrench in that plan, doesn't it? So um, out of that, I'm going to say Oregon uh, for the north. And I'm going to say USC for the south, despite my issues with Clay Helton. But there's just so much talent. I think they can win a division. And we'll see. Uh, so, Maron, and I'm, I'm going to give it to you. And let's get your look at the Pac-12. Yeah, you know, uh, great preview from John. And uh, I agree with a lot of his points. Uh, Arizona State, to me, like, you know, if we did the show three months ago, I would have said, uh, yeah, Arizona State to win the, the whole Pac-12. But I can't in good conscience because you just don't know what's going to happen with them. Yeah. Um, but they certainly have the talent to, to, to pull it off. But, uh, and, you know, the the, the – you know, what happened with the NCA was just, I mean, Herm Edwards was just so stupid for, for letting that happen. You know, uh, they got busted for COVID violations for hosting recruits, uh, you know, when, when it wasn't allowed, uh, you know, because of the, the COVID restrictions. And I mean, that was just the tip of the iceberg and the biggest thing that they found, but I mean, just such a, a senseless, um, you know, violation because, you know, to be honest with you, they don't, uh, you know, they're not recruiting against, you know, the likes of uh, Alabama and and Georgia and, and the top team. So they're, 
you know, they, they got an edge, but you know, was it worth it to me? It, absolutely not. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, of the divisions, uh, looking at the PAC 12 North, I, I like Washington, you know, kind of like what John said, you know, uh, Washington, if, if they get good quarterback play, I, I think they can be a real contender. I'm still going to go Oregon. Um, but Oregon to me, man, I agree with John. I, I don't, I do not like Chris ball as a coach. Uh, you know, they recruit top five recruiting classes year after year. Uh, I mean, you see, they, they, they turn out top 10 NFL draft picks and they still are never really in the playoff discussion. You got to ask yourself, why is that? Uh, and, and to me, it comes down to coaching. Cristobal is just so uneven uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, he had uh, uh, Justin Herbert there who goes off his, his first year in the NFL. And when he was in college with a ton of talent around him, I mean, just underachieved really every single year. Um, you know, to me, that goes back to coaching. Uh, and, and the same thing this year, like they have talent at every single position, uh, draftable talent at every single position. And they are, uh, you know, they have two um, top five quarterbacks who they've recruited in the past two years. And they went to the transfer portal and got uh, Anthony Brown from Boston College who is the quintessential game manager. I mean, he's the Tyrod Taylor of college football. And I mean, that's the one thing I think that's holding them back from being, you know, one of the teams that are in the playoff discussion. And, and you know, now you're, you're asking yourself, can they even win their division in the Pac-12 or, or can Washington beat them? And I think, you know, John's right on the money. Washington can beat them. Uh, so to me, that's the one thing that's holding them back. Uh, but I'll still pick them to win, um, you know, uh, over Washington. The rest of the North, uh, I think Cal is going to have a, a bounce back year. You know, they were they were kind of the, the little girl with the curl going into to last season and, and uh, you know, imploded. And, you know, you, can you really blame them? I mean, the Pac-12 was just a mess last year in terms of, uh, you know, the, the the scheduling and stuff like that. So I'm going to give them a pass. I, I, I think they're going to be better than people think this year. Stanford, uh, I mean, we, we all have our feelings on Stanford. We know what they're going to do. <laughs> uh, you know, they're going to win six, seven games. They're going to run the ball a shit ton of times. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was mentioned that on the board. I, th I think it was last week because Andy was going off on David Shaw big surprise i know I was um, to say, doesn't he always but you know uh i agree with it you know the, the college football and football in general has moved to this spread offense this rpo offense and uh you could bet on david shaw um starting a quarterback who's like six 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 seven who can't run for shit <laughs> and all he's going to do is handle hand off the football and make a, a play action throw over too. So, uh, you know, Stanford to me is, you know what they are. They're not going to challenge for the, for the Pac-12 North. And in the South, I mean, it's, it's really, it's up for grabs. Like, like I said, I, I would love to say Arizona state uh, to win that Pac-12 South. I, I just can't do it. Uh, USC should win the South. I mean, they have the talent to win the South. I just I don't trust Clay Helton as far as I could throw him. 
Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to do check around and check it with John. I'm going to say Utah wins this out. Um, you know, they're returning a, a bunch of, of talent and they have Charlie Brewer coming in the, the quarterback from Baylor, who was really good at Baylor. Um, you plug him into that offense and, and he takes off. They're going to be a tough team to beat. You know, they, they always are, but, uh, yeah, I'll say Oregon and Utah in the, in the PAC 12 title game. And, uh, I'll give the, I'll say Utah beats beats Oregon and wins the Pac-12. Ooh, see now Ron takes that a step further. John, would you would you put would you take Oregon in that Pac-12 title game? I mean, sorry, Utah. Oh, well, I had Utah and Washington, but yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go with Utah. Okay, that's interesting. I'm looking forward to that Utah season, though. I I, I mean, they, they're always tough, right? Because Whittingham's a great coach, so I'm very I'm very interested to see how that goes. So that leaves us now with the SEC. And this is probably going to be the easiest preview for all of us because we've seen so much SEC by now. Like, just shove it down our throats all the time. Even if it's not on CBS, it's on ESPN. If it's not ESPN, it's on SEC Network. And if it's not on any of those, maybe you see it on a different channel. Um, I mean, they're on all the damn time. But Bama, of course, is the big story here. But there is a lot of turnover in the coaching and the other positions this this time around. Uh, does that stop them? No, I don't think that's going to change them at all. I think they're going to be fine. LSU is going to be kind of like the MS, the Michigan State. Or no, let's say the Penn State. LSU will be like the Penn State of the SEC because they just had a brutal 2020, and I think they got undermined by a lot of stuff that was out of their control. Tennessee begins the Josh Heupel era. And then um, you got a lot of teams after that that are kind of retooling. And even Florida is actually going to retool because they're losing Trask and they're going to try to rebuild their offense. And I think I heard they were going to try to go a little bit more up-tempo, something like that. Then you got Georgia, which who are, is always a player in the SEC. So clearly a great conference. Best conference? Probably. Bama's going to probably run wires above everybody again. And um, and we'll see who how the battle for second place goes. Oh, and A&M, by the way, was... Finished like in the top five last year, so I'm I'm actually interested to watch them too. So, John, let's give it to you for the SEC preview. Yeah, uh, SEC always always interesting. Um, I mean, the East is going to be a two team race like always with Georgia and Florida. Um, but yeah, Dave, you mentioned how Florida's retooling this year. Last I saw, Florida is going with Emory Jones at back. I remember. He was at Notre Dame, right, um, for for a little bit. So uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. I think you know losing lose Trask, uh, 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 Tony got drafted to the NFL. Their receivers they lose a lot of a lot of guys from last year. I know they recruited well, obviously, um, but I just think you know Georgia is going to be the class of that division this year. Their defense should be just excellent. And then JT Daniels returning. Um, to, to play quarterback and, you know, he was kind of, kind of finding it towards the end of last season. So I think they're clearly the favorites um, to, to win the East and um, you know, one of the top five teams in the country to, to play for the college football playoff. Um, and yeah. You have three new coaches in this division, um, South Carolina with Shane Beamer, Vanderbilt with Clark Lee, and then Tennessee with Josh Heupel, as I mentioned before, I do not think it's going to work out well for, uh, the old Vols in, uh, in Heupel. Um, you know, if you followed UCF over the past few years, I mean, their their offense is legit. Like, you know, he knows how to call an offense, but their defense was so bad. Like, I cannot even explain how bad the UCF – like, 
they would Vegas would put up over unders of eighty points and it would just fly over. Like there would be no there would be no doubt. It would be like an arena football game. Their defense was so bad, and I, that is just not going to work in the SEC. That kind of style of play. Like I know the game is more offensive these days, but um, it's just not it's just not going to work. I, I give it three years, maybe maybe two. I don't know. It, that's just not going to work for, for them at Tennessee. Um, the other two teams in the division. Missouri and Kentucky, they're kind of your average, like, six-win SEC team. Like, they beat up on their non-conference schedule, win a couple conference games, and get to a bowl. Kentucky is actually usually kind of feisty. I mean, Stoops has done a nice job there. And, um, you know, I mean, they're not going to challenge for the division. But, they're you know, they're a solid SEC team, and they'll probably be, like, third in that in that division. Um, and then when you look at the West, I mean, Bama – uh, clearly, they're just reloading after last year, um, restarting with um, – uh, what's his name? Uh, their new quarterback. Uh, Bryce, keep, Bryce, Bryce Young. Young. I was yeah, going to say Bryce. Bryce. Yeah, Bryce Young. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, they – you know, surrounding with so much talent, it's just it's just insane uh, what, what Saban does year in, year out. But it's definitely going to be an adjustment. I mean, you're, you're bringing in a new quarterback to, to, the, to that um, – to the team – um, you know, an A&M is, you know, they're coming off that top five finish, like you said, Dave, but no more Kellen Mond. I mean, you could maybe argue that's not really a bad thing. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But, I mean, they, they again, if they need to find a quarterback, but I think the rest of their team is really solid. Um, can they challenge Alabama? Maybe. We'll, we'll see. I, but I think the smart pick clearly is still to have um, Alabama winning that division. Um, LSU it should, like you said, should be a rebound, but they just lost their quarterback the other day. He got hurt, so I don't know who's going to play play quarterback now for them um, this season. I have to have to look into that, but you know, clearly they're going to have some talented players out there. But you know, losing your quarterback right before the season starts not ideal. Um, Arkansas played above their their level last year, I would say, first year under Pittman, so maybe some more improvements from them. I mean, they were clearly much better coached than they were previously. I mean, the talent just wasn't there yet, but they, you know, they, they were, again, they were kind of a feisty team. Um, you have the, the two teams in Mississippi with the interesting coaches, Leach at Mississippi State and um, Kiffin at Ole Miss. Matt Corral just put up stupid numbers last year because uh, their defense was so bad. Like, they just had to keep scoring and scoring and scoring. You would think their defense would be a little bit better this year, but um, I saw Corral had some decent Heisman odds. Um, you know, they're going to be in shootouts the, the entire time. I think Ole Miss could make some improvement. If their defense improves, they could have a surprise season. Just I, I don't know if it's going to be any better. Um, you know, Mike Leach and Mississippi State, same thing. Although their defense was pretty good last year. It was their offense. Like, remember the first game of the season? Costello came out yeah. and had, like, eight touchdowns against um, LSU and everyone was like, oh, look at this. Leech in the SEC. Watch out. It's going to work. And then I think they scored two points like the next three <laughs> years. They couldn't score a touchdown. They did. Because they, you know, they, they, the, all the SEC teams realized, okay, let's do not play a zone against this uh, against this offense. We just have to man up and, and uh, you know, and, and don't give them those windows. But uh, so Will Rogers, when they, when they brought him in, the, the offense started to click a little bit. So um, you know, they could be decent. The, the West clearly is the better of the two divisions in terms of the quality of teams. Um, I'd say with the only like really truly it's a bad team, but like team that's kind of below the rest is Arkansas. And then Auburn gets rid of Malzahn. Okay, like let's let's go here. But then 
a very, very curious hire, in my opinion, bringing in Brian Harson from mm-hmm. Boise. You know, he, he did fine at Boise. It just, I don't know if that's a good fit for him here. Like, I don't think he has, I could be wrong. I don't think he has any ex- like connections to the South. And he just, you know, he did what he's supposed to do at Boise. Like, you win nine or ten games, you win the Mountain West. But he never struck me as, like, you like, can't miss candidate from, a, like, a group of five school, kind of like Chris Peterson was or um, some of these other guys that, you know, you know they're going to make the leap and just, just do amazing things in the Power Five level. So, um, and, you know, they have to, to – to, um, you know, Bo Nix is still there, and you know, some weeks you get bad Bo, some weeks you get good Bo Nix. So you just don't know which which one is, is going to show up. Um, but I, I'm I'm still just not quite sure about him in the SEC. So at the end of the day, I think you're going to get Alabama and you're going to get Georgia. Um, you know, and I think obviously whoever wins that's going to be in the college football playoff. Maybe both of them. I mean, if if Georgia beats Clemson the first week of the season. And then they don't lose again until they lose to say Alabama in the SEC title game. Like both of those teams are going to be in the college football playoff. Um, but I will say, like Bama is a little more vulnerable this year. And that offense last year was just unbelievable. They were just on a mission to just destroy everybody. And I, I think, um, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, Young having just just starting now and, and some of these other losses they've had. So I wouldn't be shocked completely if say A and M or. Um, one of these other teams overtook them. It's probably AM is probably their only really real competitor uh, in this division to, to legitimately win the division. But um, in the end, um, you know, it, it wouldn't like, like it would have been a complete shock last year if they didn't make it. Uh, this year, I wouldn't be as surprised if they didn't make it to the to the conference title game. But I think it's the smart pick. They have to say Alabama and Georgia for um, for the SEC. But definitely an interesting league for sure with some of these new coaches and the coaches that we they have there. Um, like I mentioned, like Leach and uh, Kiffin and some of these other guys. It makes for some interesting, some interesting games for sure on uh, on, on Saturday afternoon. And I forgot to mention Ole Miss in my tease too. That's a new, that's a, that's another good team that you mentioned there, John. I I didn't really catch your complete feel for LSU. Do you think they could challenge? I mean, I don't think they're going to win. I agree with you. I think Bama's going to take that division. But do you think they'll be back to being a player, or do you think that they're just going to have? I don't know. What do you think? Like, I, just... Well, I just, I just said, I, I, I forget the kid's name, but he, their quarterback just went down. Not too Ugh, that's long ago. Miles Brennan. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. Miles Brennan just got hurt. So okay. I don't know who's playing quarterback for them now. I have to look up their depth chart. So oh, that just kind of hurts their, yeah, hurts their season. And we know, we know Ed Ordrin, you know, he's, <laughs> it's not the greatest tactician. I think, you know, we would with that. Yeah. Um, you know, he's more of the motivational type of guy. Like he gets the players and, you know, then he lets lets the lets the players kind of do the work. But yeah, I think that definitely hurts them. I I'd have to see what, what they have up after that. But so yeah. as of now I would say no to that. Okay. Yeah, I mean I certainly don't think they're gonna be like a ten plus win team either. So I just wonder if because they were bad. Like I'm just curious as to whether they would at least be like maybe they'd be like third third tier bowl game or something like that, or New Year's six appearance. It's probably on the table, but yeah, without a good quarterback, it's probably not. Um, Ron, we'll go to you for a second. I'll just give you my quick predictions. Georgia, I also agree, will win the East. I will take Alabama for the West. And now, and now, Ron, I'll give it to you for the SEC preview. Yeah, it, it, let me start off with uh, with the LSU points. Um, their their backup quarterback is Max Johnson, who actually played a, a little bit last year, um, but certainly a step down from Miles Brennan. Uh, but man, you know. 
reading up, I, I guess we, we never really got into it last year, and you kind of gave them a pass last year because they had such a, a magical year the year before LSU. But holy shit, did, did Orgeron try to, you know, tear that down as quickly as he could? And, I mean, he lost all good faith that he had even from having that once-in-a-lifetime season. And uh, reading up on it now, like, he hired uh, Bo Pelini to, to be defensive coordinator, and I forget who the, the offensive coordinator he hired was. He didn't even interview them. He hired them based on their uh, – you know their reputation and gave them the jobs and i mean you saw how just truly awful they were coached last year at lsu so apparently he's taken more of a, a you know of a commanding role this year and bought in you know obviously new assistants uh um but man he what an awful job he did last year and uh and the the other thing you know more so than than miles brennan getting hurt is lsu lost their best player to me um when they uh they had eric gilbert transfer out their tight end i mean you watched the uh you know the, the first few games last year i mean he was carrying that team uh he was uh, he was uncoverable uh and, and he transferred out and he went to georgia so I, I i think that's you know to me that's that's one of the most concerning things uh, about lsu on top of brennan being hurt is is they lost their their best player um but uh, going back to the to the conference overall, I mean, stacked again, uh, and, and again, SEC deserves all the hype it gets. Um, to me, I, you know, I, I can't bet against Alabama uh, until it happens. I mean, they just churn out, you know, uh, player after player at every single position, and this year is not going to be any different. Bryce Young, to me, it could be an upgrade over Mac Jones. Again, I'm, I was never a Mac Jones believer. I'm still not a Mac Jones believer. Uh, you know, uh, if, if he succeeds in the NFL, you know, I'll be the first person to say I was wrong. But uh, to me, Bryce Young is, is more of the, the modern-day quarterback and fits the, you know, the spread offense and the RPO. So uh, I, I think they might be in a little bit of a better position there. Um, but, you know, I, I will say this too, though, that you look at their schedule and, you know, they play Miami week one, and, we, you know, we, we all know Alabama's going to win that, but it's not a pushover game. Um, but, and they, they play at Florida and at Texas A&M. I mean, their schedule is rough. It's rough every year, but uh, those two games in particular jumped out at me, and, and I could see them losing either one of those games. Uh, but I, I'll say that, you know, they, they win the, the SEC West, uh, second place in that division, Texas A&M. And uh, I, I think Texas A&M is, is closer to Alabama than we think. Uh, and if any year they make the leap, it, it's got to be this year because uh, they actually have, um, from, from what I read, they have as many as like eight or nine uh, NFL draft prospects who, are, who can be first rounders next year, uh, more than probably any team in the country. So they have the talent. They just need to find a quarterback. You know, like John said, Kellen Mond's not there, uh, who, again, which might be a good thing. Um, but, you know, we got to see what, you know, who uh, who uh, Jimbo decides to throw out there and if he sticks with them. So if, if they if one of these guys, uh, Calzada or uh, Haynes King, uh, is actually 
better than Kellen Mond. I, I think Texas A&M has a real shot to, to challenge Alabama uh, in the West. Um, and outside of them, like, I, you know, LSU doesn't impress me. You know, I, I think they're, they're going to be good. They're going to win eight or nine games. But I think the bloom is, is off of, uh, off of uh, Ogeron's rose really quickly there. Uh, and Ole Miss, I like Ole Miss a lot. Uh, and I know we, 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 you know, we, we kill Kiffin a lot. and We bagged on Kiffin for good reason in the past. Uh, but kudos to him. Uh, he was the first and, and to my knowledge, the only coach who got his team 100% vaccinated um, wow. and the staff 100% vaccinated. Uh, the first coach to do that in, in a state that's, you know, definitely not uh, on the level there. So uh, kudos to him. Uh, maybe he's matured. Maybe he's turned it around. I don't know. But uh, uh, Matt Coral is, is, is a guy who, you know, if he has the type of year that, uh, that he could have, you're going to hear his name at the top of the draft next year. Uh, like John said, he, he put up video game numbers last year, uh, but it was good and bad. I think he threw like, uh, you know, 17 or 18 interceptions to go with however many touchdown passes he had. But uh, they're right below, I think, uh, Alabama and Texas A&M to me. Um, and in the East, yeah, it's a two-team race. It's Florida and Georgia. And, and we saw for Florida, Emory Jones play a little bit you know, the past couple of years. And, and he's good. And he he definitely offers a different skill set than Kyle Trask. Uh, but they lost so much talent, um, you know, at, at the skill positions uh, that, you know, I, I can't in good faith say that they're going to win the east uh georgia has so many uh guys at every position uh especially on offense um you know jt daniels could have a huge year um they they've recruited like top three recruiting classes the past three years the depth there is is tremendous you know they to me it's it's their year to win the sec east um and they, they're actually the team that I got, uh, Eric Gilbert, the, uh, the the tight end who transferred from uh, LSU. I, th- I think he went to Florida, uh, didn't stay there, and, and ended up going to Georgia this summer. So uh, they're loaded. They're stacked and loaded, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I'll say Georgia wins the East. Florida's right behind them. Uh, I think Kentucky, if Kentucky can find a quarterback, uh, and again, you know, I say that for a lot of teams, but uh, – you know they have such a good defense. Uh, they they have a running back Chris Rodriguez who was was awesome last year. Uh, if they could find a quarterback, um, you know I th- I think they could challenge Florida for that second spot in the East. Uh, you know they had a guy start for I think like three years in a row, Terry Wilson, who actually uh, used the transfer portal to leave and went to New Mexico of all places. Uh, so that just goes to show you how bad the uh, the quarterback plays at at Kentucky. Um, and they, they're trying to replace them with, they got a kid from, uh, Penn state and they actually bought in, um, one of the offensive coaches at, at Penn state to be the new offensive coordinator. So he bought over one of, one of the kids that forget his name. I think it's, uh, uh, Levi or Levis, something like that. So if he, you know, can manage the offense, Kentucky can be really good this year. Uh, Missouri, uh, overachieved last year. And, and I think they could, you know, be decent this year as well. And I will say uh, I am 1,000% with John in that Tennessee 
is going to regret the Josh Heupel hire uh, within the next two or three years. He, to me, uh, and, and this, you know, is is besides my Tennessee bias because you guys know I, I can't stand them. But uh, not them. It's just like the natural, uh, the national uh, obsession over them and how they're always going to be the sleeper team in the country. But um, Heupel went into U- UCF. Um, you know, the year after Frost bought him to the, uh, you know, had him undefeated or whatever. And, I mean, he had an entire roster at his fingertips. I think they had, like, three-quarters of the guys coming back. And, and to me, Heupel, like, consistently underachieved at UCF uh, with, with uh, Scott Frost guys. So, you know, w- why do I think him going to Tennessee is going to, uh, suddenly, like lift up that program. I just, I don't think it's a good fit. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's an SEC type of guy, and I think they're, you know, it's another hire that they're going to regret, and they're going to have to go back to the drawing board in another couple of years and try to find, uh, uh, you know, the next big thing that they they have. But that's besides the point. But yeah, I'm going to go with Alabama and Georgia. Uh, I'll say. You know, probably Alabama's probably going to win, but John's right. Both teams can make the, the college football playoff. Yeah, you're right. You're both right about that. I think it'll be a really fun year. It's good to see JT Daniels doing well in Georgia. I think, I'm a little curious of what took him so long to get him to be the starter. I, I don't think he started the whole season, but I'm not sure. I can't. I have to go back. He was him. hurt. Uh, oh, think, he was hurt. Okay, okay, okay. I think he was hurt. Okay, sorry, sorry. So he was hurt. Oh, that's right. So they meant to. Okay. Yeah, good point, good point. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, I I expect similar things then in that case for Georgia. We'll see. Because it's kind of interesting that you see some Pac-12 influence on this SEC this year. You, not only Daniels, but you mentioned Hearts. Well, that's not Pac-12. That's like, just say, let's just say, let's say Western influence then because he was in the Mountain West. Um, so you give the benefit of the doubt with Harson, like an unknown coach, no connection to the South. We do not with Hypel, but for good reason, because Hypel was a clown. So I, I totally get it. That's our, that's our preview. For the Power Five, tomorrow we'll get into the Group of Five and we'll talk about some more storylines. So until then, let's get some some other thoughts you wanted to add. And, John, I'll give it to you first. Well, this was a lot of fun. I cannot wait for the Group of Five. And we're doing independence too, right, Dave? I have to talk about UConn, UMass. Yes. Liberty. <laughs> on this program. 100%. We're, we will throw them in as well. That will be another drawing point for all of you uh, watching tonight. Well, we'll get into the independence as well. And, and Army, too. Like, where are they going to be? Where's BYU going to be? It's actually a very interesting section of, of the program. A lot of independence these days. Like, I think, you know, the way these conferences are going, I think it might be better off for some of these schools to end up just, like, going independent. Like, for example, going off on a tangent here, like, Kansas is going to be royally fucked. Excuse yeah. my language. Like, once the Big 12, <laughs> like, completely disbands, like, so, all right, like, just go independent in football, get your ass kicked, and – like join the big east in basketball or something i don't know like i could see a lot of teams like doing like a cost benefit analysis and saying hmm like maybe it's better off if we just do an independent schedule but that's for another discussion down the road but yeah i can't wait to talk about some group of five that's where the us real degenerates live on uh on saturday night <laughs> oh i love it i i i'm very interested in the aac previews i, I think i tweeted you about that that's just going to be a very interesting conference this year so um so ron any other anything you want to add before before we go and segue into the night yeah i actually think there's a, a bunch of uh group of five teams who 
at least deserve to be in the uh, the top 25, if not the top 15. So I look forward to, to you know, talking about that and breaking that down. And, you know, to John's point, uh, our friend, uh, a couple quickies, actually, you know, made a, a pretty interesting point the other day. And uh, he said, like, what's stopping a team from Alabama who has this, you know, they've, they've created this national brand and, like, they're this constant powerhouse. What's stopping them from saying, you know what, uh, we're going to go independent. Uh, we're going to sign our own TV deal or create our own network like Texas, but with 10 times the as, as much revenue. We're going to uh, pull out of the SEC and not have to play the, the you know, those those tough games every week. We could pick and choose our schedule, you know, do, uh, you know, certain games at uh, neutral fields and this and that and make just a, a billion dollars a year and and just uh, consistently be in the, the college football playoffs still. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if a team in the next uh, couple of years, like John said, does pull out of a, a big-name conference and decides to go independent. It's happened before. Well, kind of. I mean, I, I don't – was Notre Dame ever in a conference? I don't think so. I guess maybe not. No. No. Okay. Just last year because of the whole right COVID situation. That was it. Yep, that's yep. true. So yeah, a very really good point, you guys. And then Chris with this comment: swearing at the late night Mountain West game, one thirty a.m. in the East. Oh, that's happening. We're all gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> and the Mac. So it's pretty much gonna be the case. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. So thank you very much for this part one and we'll be back for part two tomorrow. Thank take care for now everybody. Sounds um, good. Take care, fellas. Care. You bet. All right. So that was that was really fun. Thank you, John, and thank you, Ron. Always a good time to to break that down. Um and we're back tomorrow. We'll have the second half of our college football preview show. And we hope you'll enjoy that with us. I, if you missed any part of this watching it live, we'll have the podcast up in just a matter of minutes. If you're watching this on the VOD replay or the YouTube replay, uh, just rewind it because it's, it's, we, we, the whole thing will be up as well. So um, thanks, everyone. Once again, enjoy your evening for now. We return tomorrow. We'll cover the group of five and some other storylines. But uh, I'm Dave Medina. You can catch us on the web at didcow.com for all of our show replays going back all the way to the beginning, plus some blog entries once in a while and uh, other surprises. You can catch us on socials at DidCal for the latest updates on the show itself. And uh, you can catch us on Facebook, too, facebook.com slash DidCal. If you haven't subscribed by now, go to Apple Podcasts and look for Dave in the City Out West or your podcast player of choice. We, until that point, will see you next time. <laughs>